That's my problem is I fear I will end up like a fainting goat and I'll just go stiff and fall down. <laughs> Welcome to Moralia Python Radio with your hosts, Eric Burke and Owen McIntyre. Welcome, everybody. Uh, in this episode, we're going to be talking with Jake Many, and we are going to be chatting about uh, tons of stuff. So he works at the Australian Reptile Park, um, which is uh, pretty cool. Um, yeah. He has seen rough-scale pythons both in captivity and in the wild. You have my attention. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know. I knew that would get you. It's really um, all you need to do. Yeah. He so. also um, uh, works with the Owen Pelly python, uh, which should be cool. Um, obviously, scrub pythons. Uh, and uh, he is a avid field herper in australia so we'll be hitting on plenty of that um Mm -hmm. and uh yeah it should be uh should be a pretty pretty awesome episode he's actually pretty young too uh from from what i know and he was on the herp the culture podcast um but uh we're we're going deep man we're digging deep um so i would definitely take a minute to check out jake's instagram um because his pictures are freaking amazing. Um, oh, and as you can see in the uh, outline, I put one of the diamond pythons that he found. Yeah, that's that's a really neat animal just for what it is. I mean, that's just a really cool – It. I don't know. If you saw that animal on a table in the U.S. at a show – do you think certain people might be like, it's not bright or it doesn't have a reduced pattern and like walk away? Oh, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yes, 100%. And isn't that horrible? Because that's like, that's a pure wild, like that. that's a really good looking animal in my opinion. And I don't know. Yeah, I love it's, how dark it is. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, all right, this is what it's supposed to look like. Right. And I think we I think we lose that a lot in herp the culture. Oh, so hell yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. Yep. The lack of appreciation uh of for for the, the wild ones where we came from. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um so yeah, so we're gonna be chatting with him. Uh should be a great episode, uh and pump us up for our trip and uh yeah. So, Northwest Carpet Fest was this past weekend. Yes. Um, and uh, we did it, not go. Yeah. No, so, unfortunately. No. <laughs> <laughs> Which, if I get one more person who's like, you're going to Tinley, right? No, damn it. Do you listen to the show? That's going to be start being my reply to people is like, do you even listen? <laughs> so, you know, it's. Right. But, uh, but yeah, it, I, I heard it went well. Yes. Um, she, Amy said that uh, I was reading her post that she put up, and um, obviously Doug was an awesome host. Uh, she said there was a good balance of new and old faces, which is always nice. good. Um, you know, she she hit on that the the moral the moral moralia moralia, moralia. family. Um, yes, welcome to Moralia Python <laughs> right. Radio. Yeah, it's my uh, take at a cheap Australian accent. Please um, stop. <laughs> so um, we're about to have an also Australian on the show. Please stop. Yeah, right. 
So the Morelia family, um, how, you know, they're always laughing and, you know, then it goes into speculation on the research that needs to happen for Morelia, you know. And then, of course, always at these kind of events, you know, stories of old school herpers, you know, and how they built the foundation for what we have in the community today. Mm -hmm. Uh, My favorite quote, and I think we should, like, make this part of you know, carpet fest going forward is, uh, she said the feeling of community with all the folks from different backgrounds with whom she never would have intersected with in life unless for their love of reptiles. So, yeah. we, we, and, and we've touched on this before. The fact that we have Zach Baez in the same room as Bill Stiegel, it's like, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, it's just like, dear Lord, if it wasn't for reptiles, the two should would never and would never meet. Yeah, you know, and it's like it, you, you know, it's it's basically that thing too. I mean, if what if not for the uh, uh, reptiles and in general Morelia, I wouldn't know half the people I know, and it's insane. Yeah. So yeah. So you know, that's what Carpet Fest has always been about. Um, you know, and there's just something special. Maybe I'm biased, but there's just something special about the Morelia family that. Uh, <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to be like, maybe I'm biased, but I think there's something special about the Northeast. I'd be like, wow, dude. <laughs> no, like, no, no, oh, no, no, no. Oh, no, we're no. going there. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, absolutely not. I'm uh, all, I'm, I mean, I'm down. I'll fight with you, but I didn't know we were going to go early. But all right. Anyway. I kind of consider the Northwest the. They're like we're like well I guess you consider the Northeast the OG but they're kind of pretty close with that as well I mean it seems like they're the uh, you know the quiet little underdog that that doesn't really get a whole lot of publicity and whatnot they're but not, they're not the loudest but they've been here I think they started that one the year after we had our first one yes yeah so yeah and have been going strong since so yeah um, yeah so. Very, very cool. Um, I did want to uh, make sure that we announced, so we got two announcements, and then we can get into whatever uh, is going on. But um, Tinley Park, which we will not. We won't be going to. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Make sure we put that at the beginning of the show, right, Owen? Yeah, we have to say it. uh, People who don't listen, I guess, all the way through, no, (laughs) we will not be going to Tinley Park this year. Yeah. We can't make it work with. Uh, family work and Australia. <laughs> so it, there's a lot of stuff there. Yes. So, yeah. So anyway, for all those people that are going, uh, 10, 12 and 10, 13, oh, I can't even talk tonight. 10, 13. Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's written down right in front of you. Just read it. Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> 10, 12 and 10, 13 is the day of the shows, but on 10, 11, uh, Friday night, um, they are going to be doing the gecko symposium. Um, and, uh, you know, they're going to have some awesome speakers lined up, um, including our good friend Justin Julander uh, from Australian Addiction Reptiles. Um, so if you want more information on that, you can go to NorthAmericanGeckoSymposium.com. Uh, check that out. Yep. And uh, safe travels to everybody who's going in and out. Tinley, may you return with empty display cases and full pockets. Um, and Howard Redding has the uh, Morelia Python radio um, credit card, and he's been advised to uh, buy everyone around. So make sure you go up to Howard and you request your free drink. So, 
Yes. 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 Please yes. do this. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, we're feeling, you know, we want to give back. Generous. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you know. Make sure make sure you tell him that we sent you. Yes. So. <laughs> yes. yes. Absolutely. Uh, only Howard could uh, make that happen. You know, some of the other people sure. are a little reluctant about being involved with NPR. So, uh, you know. <laughs> Some people will, de- since we're not there, some people will deny knowing us. Yes. I mean, it's like, yeah. 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 So, um, and then uh, one thing for us um, is that we're going to be doing a uh, a new segment on the show. Uh, yes. It's not going <laughs> to be. changing the show around? It, oh, my God. Yeah, whatever. It's only took eight years. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, no, it's, it's. It's going to be separate from the uh, from the from the regular you know guest podcast thing, but um, you know I think me and Owen were talking, and uh, I think that uh, you know it would be a good idea to sort of put like uh, these little topics when it comes to carpet pythons, and um, you know just make a little you know quick in and out. Uh, you know, 10, 15 minute, uh, short little podcast. Um, we're not sure of what the name of what we're going to call it. Uh, I actually wrote down some, some, uh, some names. Oh, please, (laughs) please, please. Oh, you want me to say them now? Right now. I want to hear them now. Oh, I want them to get my reaction of what have you done? Uh, So, okay. Let's see. Um, we have, uh, let's see. Morelia digest, Morelia geeks. Morelia Machine, Morelia Mates, Morelia Quest, the Morelia Experience, um, <laughs> Morelia Lab, uh, Carpet Disclosure, <laughs> Carpet Python Weekly. Oh, um, God. No, yeah. no weekly, because that, 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 that implies that it's weekly. Yeah, we have to do it weekly. Good and point. We're already, <laughs> we're already recording on a Sunday, which, you know, Thank God the Steelers are playing on Monday. Otherwise, I would have come down with a cold. I mean, like, you know, it's... Oh, I worked that out for you, buddy. Oh, thank you. (laughs) See? See? See the freedom that we now have? (laughs) It's amazing. Yes. I don't know what I'm going to do. Yes. So, it's... Yeah, I'm not. Uh, you know, I, I just. Don't know yet. I kind of like Car. I like, kind of like Morelia Quest, but it really sounds like Monster either, Quest. Either that, or, or a really bad like video game, or <laughs> some sort of some sort of game that involves multiple sided dice. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Yeah, we and could. Uh, not yet. We could. It. We could really exploit that. You know. <laughs> Um, uh, Christ, but it, 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 it kind of stems from, we had a couple episodes in a row where we're talking about things that used to be common knowledge, yes. but now isn't. And yeah. we were also referring to certain animals that used to be heavy hitters and highlights. And if you mentioned their names, like your bloodline was looked at a little bit more intent, intently, you know, it, it was, it kind of bumped you up. Yeah. And people, have, those animals have gone by the wayside. So it's like it's one of those things where we kind of want to make sure that we don't get to a point where we've forgotten where a lot of this stuff that we now have came from. And also what the hell the term that we very easily spit out means, because I talked to a few people and nobody really knows what MBB means. They know it comes <laughs> They know it comes in front of really good-looking reds, but some people 
have no freaking idea that that is a name of an animal yes. that this line originated with. Yeah. So to prevent everyone from slapping MBB on a good looking red in the future, it, it would be nice if everybody kind of had this to go back on of what the hell does MBB mean? And then you could just put a link up to either myself or Eric explaining who the hell Madam Blueberry was, where she came from and where the MBB reds came from. Um, it's kind of like one of those way where you can kind of try to get more knowledge out there. So there's not misconceptions or, um, uh, different things out there. You know, we, we, we kind of want to get away from every stripe as a tiger kind of deal. So, yeah. 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 So yeah. Kind of present, you know, uh, whether it's, you know, like Owen said, the carpet Python history of, uh, you know, an individual animal, uh, Madam Blueberry, Bullwinkle, Poster Child, uh, you know, I could go on and on and on. Cover Girl. Cover Girl, you know, Mm. all these different things. Um, Then, you know, you got lines and bloodlines. Like, I think that's one that gets confused a lot. What's what's this line? What's the bloodline? You know, and um, what's really legit out there? And, um, you know, we'll even hit on things like morphs and stuff like that and maybe the history. It's it's more or less sort of like I'm going to do an episode on the panther. And how do you get a panther, you say? And I'm just going to shake a, sh- uh, a spray can of paint. And that has been this episode. Of yes. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, but things like that, that, uh, you know, to, to try to put the, uh, the the real story out there. And, um, you know, it's it's not going to be like a, a, an interview or anything like that. And um, so a couple things were going through my head, you know, as we are now. Uh, you know, approaching the eighth year of Morality uh, Python Radio, uh, a lot of our, <laughs> I know, a lot of our. Uh, I'm sorry, I only, I only got Owen locked into a ten-year contract. You do. So. I, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I don't I become a free agent, and I could sign with Port City Pythons. That's yeah. all I'm saying. Oh dear. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well. <laughs> um. Yeah, you guys do do that whole Kaluber thing pretty well. You know. Yeah, we do. I don't. Mm, yeah okay I'm, I'm just gonna be quiet on that one and move along <laughs> <laughs> i don't know how joe's other half would feel about owen joining <laughs> damn dude what do you mean well i mean i i think they would i think they'd be delighted to have me i'm just saying i and, now would, we're gonna now we have contract negotiations. Uh, <laughs> I would agree that they would be delighted to have you with your witty pull, humor and I'm your... gonna pull in Antonio Brown and just leave. I'm gone now. <laughs> yeah, he's I'm out. <laughs> I'm out. Um but uh no, in all seriousness, yeah, man. Yeah. You know, you wanna go that Kaluber group? Go for it, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think I Joe would give me one episode where he's like, Get the hell out of here. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um but uh um yeah so we're going to we're going to attempt that but anyway what i was saying is is like as you know a lot of our original episodes and it kind of it kind of like sparked last week when me and owen were talking about you know uh, some of the the past shows and um i'm going to try to go through and and edit them to the important part uh whether it be the interview or whatever of some of those and uh you know post them post them back up so that, that people can listen to them again, because you can't get them anymore in your, you know, your podcast app. 
feed, so to speak. You have to go to Blog mm-hmm. Talk, and that's kind of clunky. So, um, so yeah. Uh, but so we got those two different things going on. So you know, and and this would be cool because if there's say there's somebody that doesn't necessarily want to come on that on the show, um, whether it's like an old school herper um, that could maybe uh, you know you know, could be a message and, and, and put down some thoughts or, or even if it was just like a quick little phone interview or, or something like that, but not, um, not like what we do on the Tuesday night show. Um, different than that, more of like a, uh, you know, an edited, uh, I don't, I'm trying to think, did you ever hear, did you ever listen to uh radio lab? Owen, have you ever heard that podcast? I have not. Okay. But similar to that, sort of like, you know, what she does with cereal. I know you listen to that one. I do. You see what and I mean? Yeah, yeah. kind of like that. I mean, I'm not saying we're going to go as elaborate as, as that, but there may be a time when, who knows, we might be able to interview uh, somebody like Doug Price and uh, say, you know, what was it like with the uh, price line of bread lie um, and, you know, Something like that, something along those lines. So, so that could be put out there into the uh, into the world, uh, so mm-hmm. people have an understanding of of what's going on. Um, and uh, maybe they don't want to do a full interview uh, on NPR, but they might but, want to be interested in something like that. So, that is cool. So it's either going to be Owen or me, um, and. Obviously, Owen has chosen to talk about the Panthers. <laughs> um, you know, and, and, and we can also talk about, uh, you know, like individual projects that either Owen or myself are are working on and some of the history behind those projects. And, I mean, there's just so much to talk about. Um, and it, it really just comes down to trying to hit on those misconceptions about carpet pythons and that's going to be the focus for that little segment. So look forward to, to, to listen to that. And it will be right on the same feed, all that kind of stuff. So should be cool. Yeah. Should be very cool. Should be should be something that you can kind of take a little snippet of and expand your mind, increase your knowledge, and go forth and do good Morelia things. <laughs> yes. Or um, my biggest fear, find out everything that I said that was wrong in the episode and email Eric because I don't have an email for this podcast for <laughs> obvious reasons. So, um, yes. Uh, mm-hmm. I see. <laughs> By the way, uh, Reptile and Chill Boys, I'm a, uh, I, I could... I could work with you guys too. I'm just saying contracts free uh, after the, after got two more years in this contract and then it's, <laughs> it's highest bidder. You know, I, I'm Eric, I'm trying to get, podcast to fight over me okay so you know yeah yeah yeah. i mean you are dude i mean you're the co-host with the mostest you know what i mean (laughs) i i would say gtp keeper radio but i mean i don't think they're even around anymore oh oh damn (laughs) i do all these things and he never emails me and that's all i want (laughs) which which one are you trying to get to the email either or i just want attention (laughs) (laughs) He's like the bad kid. <laughs> Just, Owen's acting out again. Yeah. So. <sighs> anyway, it should be a good thing. And yeah. it's we, we hope it's a good thing. Everything we try to do 
we, we try to make sure it's something to push the podcast forward or, or at least help the community out, even if it's in some small way. If it gives you something else to listen to while you're cleaning water bowls, awesome. If it helps you kind of, if it helps everybody in Morelia get on the same page with certain things, it'll be really helpful down the line. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I, you know, it's so funny. Like, when I think of these things, um, mm-hmm. it's like I'm always stepping outside of, like, the platform that we have. Like, and I think sometimes I'm like, dude, we have this platform <laughs> that we built over the last eight years. Why are we trying to do other things besides? Do you do you feel awkward? Because, like, when people are like, thanks to everything you do in the community, I'm like, eh, 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 I don't, I didn't. All right. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Thank, yeah. thank you. It's yeah. like how people are like, "Well, you saw my calendar? Why?" <laughs> it's like, it's, it's, it's like, it's like that. So, it's like you know, when Bill came up the first time, and he's like, when we first met him, he's like, "Will you sign the complete carpet python?" I'm like, "I didn't write it." Like, <laughs> he's like, "I know that," but other people, I'm like, "Okay." And I waited for you to write this really, really long message, and I'm pretty sure I drew an arrow and then signed my name so it's like, yeah ditto it's like no it's what he said what he said uh, yeah yeah i don't know so whatever if this helps cool if it doesn't whatever i mean we'll figure it out yeah so yep. how is the uh the bread lie doing uh, they're they're driving me insane oh some some that ate live ate frozen thaw some that ate frozen thaw don't want it anymore one puked and i'm like i hate Baby carpets. <laughs> like, I, I hate babies. <laughs> like we're at that point where I'm like, I hate all of you because I wanted to. And there's one, one male that has eaten every food that is offered. I'm like, you, you're my favorite, which is bad <laughs> because I can't start picking holdbacks on which one doesn't piss me off. <laughs> they don't get a bunch of ugly, well-fed carpets. It's like no. Right. So, um, yeah, it's it's basic baby bread life stuff. The problem is, is that I don't have access to live as much as I used to. Mm-hmm. So there is one pet store near me. It's called Finn's Feathers Paws Claws. And they're like the only pet store that will sell you live mice knowing full well that what you're going to do is feed them to your reptiles. Okay. They also know they're the only game in town and eight mice cost me $25. Holy shit. Thank you. So they get their delivery every Tuesday, Thursday. And I've used them for that dire emergency thing, and I really don't ever want to. So I was going to drive out to the York PA show this weekend, but I decided to work on my deck instead, and that took all weekend. Like, I was outside playing with concrete when you're like, we're going to start at 8 o'clock. I'm like, ah, shit, right, yeah. So it's like... (laughs) I'm glad you messaged me hours beforehand. Almost like you know that I have forgotten and I'm doing something else. Yes, I knew. I knew. <laughs> I, yeah, I know you're not used to this whole. Uh, you know, whenever. Yeah, whenever we do. It's, you know, it's, it's almost like I'm going to be working in the yard, and then you're going to go out to your backyard and flip the switch on the NPR signal and will illuminate sky. Yeah, it's time. And I'll be like, oh no! And then some dramatic music will drum up, and then I have to. You know, run into my cave anyway. Yeah. But um, it, it, it's it's hard for me to get the fuzzies. So I'm thinking I might go. It was also hard for me to get to this shop because it was in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Lucky thing, my new office is literally a block away from this place. 
Really? Okay. Yes. So I'm like, all right, well, Tuesday after work, I can drive over there, get the fuzzies, and then go home. Right. But how much is 25 fuzzies going to cost me? Uh, what did you you said it was 25 for eight? 25 for eight mice. Eight adult mice were $25. Oh. I'm looking for 22 live fuzzies. Wow. I don't yeah. know. That's, I don't that's, know either. That's going to be pricey. Even a quarter each, I'm still getting screwed. So it's like, but if I do it now and I suck it up, Hamburg is not next weekend. It is the weekend after. So I can try to feed them now. Then I can give them a week off, and then I can try to feed them next Saturday. Have, 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 have all of them eaten at least once? No. Some have not. Oh, okay. Do they, so, do they look? They look fine. They're fat baby bread lie. I mean, like, none of them look like they're dying. It's like. Dude, why don't you just wait till Hamburg? Because I want to try to get some food into these damn things because we're getting close to the you've taken three meals or you've taken because some of them have eaten twice one oh, okay but some of them have eaten once and if i can get them eating twice and then i can feed them before hamburg i want to try to get some meals into these things before australia right because then i'm going to be gone for a week and then i have to come back and then i have to try to feed these things i don't want these things to be ready for sale in december gotcha so that's, that's the thing i gotcha yeah so see, I don't know what it's like to sell snakes, so I don't. Of course you don't. <laughs> to like, me, that, that you're like we'll just we'll just take our time, man. You know, whenever yeah. they're ready, they're ready. Yo, just chill, dude. Yeah. <laughs> um. Wow. Yeah, I would. Uh, well, I would probably just wait, but I I understand the dilemma you're in. So, uh, huh? Why don't you do this? Do the old trick that we say all the time. Put them in your car. Drive them around the block. You want me to drive them to work? No, they they actually put rules in place when they found out that uh, I have the snakes. Yeah, that I'm not allowed to have any, which is terrible because I have these big locking drawers at my cubicle, and all I can think about is I could put a box in there. <laughs> <It's> like, you know, <laughs> drop it off at FedEx uh, during lunch. Right. No, can't do it. You know, the closest FedEx to, to me from work that will take the snakes is the one in Fort Washington. Oh shit! Isn't that the one I go to? Yeah, I think there's apparently one in King of Prussia. I can't find it. So the Fort Washington one is the one off 309, like in that area, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's the one I go to. I know that's the one I used to go to when I was at mom's. So I, dude, I don't know. So yeah. <sighs> well, yeah, I'm not. I'm not really dealing with that. Um, luckily for me, the the gelatins are all pretty good. Shut up. <laughs> so it's just like. And it's weird because I kind of got into this thing because, you know, other buddy came over with these four um, MBB red stripes. Right. And he's like, I can't get him to eat. And I mean, like, it, which I decided I'm keeping a pair, a boy and a girl. And um, <laughs> uh, it, it's Deadpool and Domino because they came from Francis. So, um, it, <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, um, but they eat like monster. They are eating crazy. And then the one that apparently you're getting also eats like a bastard. Like he, it, food, there's one that has kind of been a little funny, but all, the three out of the four immediately took the food and have been eating every single time offered. So I kind of got cocky. And then now these bread liars are, are, are knocking me down several pegs. So, you know, the problem is that I've had several people contact me about 
purchasing the bread lie. Mm-hmm. And, and it kills me that I can't be like, sure, take it. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, you could always do the old uh, right out of the egg, here you go. You mean you're like, you know, oh, <laughs> see, what I'm going to do is next thing they park, I'm going to bring the clutch and be like, who wants a bread line? I'm going to cut it out of the egg, rip it out, and then throw it into the crowd and then be like, you get a bread line. And then you get a bread line. Apparently, tape it to the bottom of their chair, or what do you do? Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that'll be the, but like, you know, some of you have underneath your chairs. Eight Panther Carpet Python. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's right. But it, it it's it's frustrating. So I will figure it out and I might just go get the fuzzies. And then the bigger snakes that eat just live mice, they they wait till shows. I don't and whatever. Right. You know, the 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 speckled mad hogs and um, the blonde mad hogs, they only eat live. So I usually get them two mice each at a show feed them and then leave them alone till the next show where some months I end up going to shows like every other weekend. Uh-huh. And then some months I only hit one show. So if anything, I'm giving them more of a naturalistic diet than I ever thought. <laughs> it's like, yes, <laughs> <huh>. <laughs> there's no rhyme or reason to the feed. Yeah, I know. Schedule. Jesus. Yeah. All right. We're jump on here with Jake real quick. Uh, Jake, many welcome to Marley Python radio. Uh, how you doing today? Really good guys. How are you? All right. So you're on here now. And also just for everybody else who may not have really understood it. We also have Rob here. So yeah. say, hello, say hello to the people, Rob. So, hello. Um, <laughs> so all right. So, Jake, uh, we ask everybody who starts uh, their first couple questions on NPR. It, the first one is definitely uh, how'd you get started into reptiles? Uh, I think for me, like most people, it started really young, probably three or four years old. And uh, I was really obsessed with crocodiles for a while. Crocodiles is kind of what kicked it off. And then as I, I got a little bit older, uh, I found lizards and, and frogs and snakes. And snakes is where it really started to to take off. And the obsession really, really kicked into gear. And uh, all through my teenage years, I kept... Uh, reptiles at home and then once I got my driver's license really that's when I started (laughs) spending a lot of time out in the field and and beginning to see some of the best of of what this country has to offer that's awesome so what was it what was it that about crocs that drew you in I mean because normally little kids and crocodiles don't it normally it's not the normal thing or it's not the usual thing yeah, I think a lot of people tend to tend to start with dinosaurs, and I guess crocs were these yeah. these incredible ancient animals that that were still around today. And, and I'm lucky to to be able to work with uh, several species of crocodilian today, and that's always kind of been the the dream for me. Um, and I think Steve Owen played a, a big part in that, as as is the same for most people. Um, and then yeah, sort of just worked my way up and. And then uh, I kind of found snakes, and it took off. So, how did you 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 were current? You work currently at the Australian Reptile Park, right? Correct. Yeah, yeah. So I'm one of the head keepers at the park. So I'm very fortunate. I get to spend pretty well every single day with a wide variety of of species: uh, crocodilians, venomous snakes. Uh, lizards, frogs, and, uh, t- giant tortoises. We've got we've got a good eclectic collection. Um, the Komodo dragons are, are probably a personal favorite of mine. We've got two two Komodos at the park, and they're just fantastic. 
Wow. I mean, that's so like, you know, that was a, I was, the next question was, can you give us a quick brief overview of what species you maintain? But I mean, like, what are some of your favorites aside from the Komodos, which is a weird sentence to say of like, <laughs> pick your best reptile. Don't include the Komodo dragons. So like, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, King Cobras for me are a, Jesus. a spectacular <laughs> snake. And um, yeah, we, we keep those. Um, obviously it's something I would have never had the opportunity to, to work with otherwise. And, and as, as far as a snake goes, those things are right up there. They're, they're beautiful. They're, they're stunning, intelligent. Um, both of ours are, are a pleasure to keep. They feed very readily on, on, uh, rodents. They're, they're very simple. Um, yeah, they're just a, a great snake. But on top of that, all of the Australian, uh, alapids, our venomous snakes, are, are some of my favorites as well. Jesus. So, all right. So you're, you're very much into the elapid. Is that your normal snake? Is like, is that where you, is that where you would kind of be your bread and butter? You're kind of stick with the elapids, do you? Yeah. For the most part, um, it's, it's kind of funny the way it works in Australia when you're a, a young teenager, usually when you just start herping, probably the first wild snake you're going to encounter is going to be the most likely a red-bellied black snake. So for any Australian, a lapids are, are quite a normal everyday uh, thing. <laughs> <It just> happens. <laughs> sounds, a bit, sounds a bit backward, but that's the way it is. And, um, yeah, you just kind of grow up um, with tiger snakes and, and death adders. And um, we keep all of that, that at the park as well as uh, taipans. Um, we've got uh, a western diamondback rattlesnake as well. Um, a couple of those so we, yeah we've got a, a couple of exotics as well that's cool mm. you know what i would be interested to, to wonder if like you know how uh, rob and owen you mm. know how like we think of australian reptiles as like you know you can't get any better than than australian reptiles and like i wonder like <laughs> when, when you're looking at a komodo dragon or do you have that same fascination or a rattlesnake where we here in the states were just like yeah, it's just a rattlesnake. Yeah, you know? <laughs> every zoo think, in the U.S. has a timber rattlesnake, but yes, you guys yeah. are like, "Oh my god!" Like I don't know. <laughs> I think uh, I think it just comes down to you're always fascinated fascinated by what you can't really get to see every day. So it's always mm -hmm. going to be the way whether you live in Europe or the U.S. or, or right. Australia. Um, so yeah, for us, I do really have a strong interest and a strong passion for a lot of species overseas. Right. Um, but at the same time, um, we, we kind of know that, that what we've got is very, very special. Yes. And in terms of, <laughs> of herping, um, I love getting overseas and, and herping and seeing different things. But um, I'm still always drawn back to, to getting out into the Australian wilderness and, and seeing what we've got to offer because I've still got... 700 plus reptile species to see in this country before we even <laughs> oh my God. worry about overseas stuff. Uh, that's that, quite that, a list. That is, that is an awesome list. And it's weird because of some of the stuff that we'll get into later that you have seen. And I'm like, that's you, like to have, you put a big dent in it. It's, but it, <laughs> it that's awesome. Um, but how, did you end up at the Australian Reptile Park? Like, what what led you to there? Uh, it's it's a very special place for me. I I grew up. My family home was about an hour and a half um, south of the park. So, you know, all the time my parents were were dragging well not dragging me. I was forcing them to drag <laughs> me up there. 
I was dragging them. <laughs> right. Um, and uh, yeah, I would constantly be at the park. Um, I loved it. I loved the array of, array of species you could see. Um, you know, for a little kid, getting to see alligators and and big saltwater crocs and king cobras, it was just one of those places that I spent a lot of time. And so. When I finished school, I wanted to get involved. I became a volunteer at the park in the reptile department. And mm -hmm. I was a volunteer there for, for 10 months. But because I'd had a lot of experience previous with uh, keeping as well as in the field, um, I kind of just fell into the place really well, got to know a lot of really good people. And fortunately, yeah, 10 months into that volunteer stint, I was fortunate to be offered a, a full-time position there. And now, four years later, I'm, I'm a supervisor within the, the reptile department. That's wow. awesome. That is, that, that's nuts. And that's really cool. I mean, to get to work at the it, very few people. I know a lot of people who went to the, be in the zoo field. And it's always the dream to work at the zoo that you went to as a kid. And rarely ever do you ever get there. And that's, that's really cool. So that's awesome. Yeah. And the, so, and the, the cool thing is that it really hasn't changed too much uh, since I, I was a kid. Um, you know, there's still a lot of the, the same animals that were that were there wow. years ago. We've had, you know, Galapag our two Galapagos tortoise have been there for um, you know, 40, 50 years. Um, you know, big saltwater croc, alligators that have been at the park since the late 60s. So um, wow. there's still a lot of those Jesus. original animals. That's awesome. That's the plus side of reptiles. They'll they'll be there when you grow up. So that's awesome. <laughs> exactly. They'll hang out. You know, that's awesome. But so that's the park. Um, what does your home collection look like? Uh, very minimal at the moment. I've, I've, I've spent a lot of years keeping a lot of reptiles at home. Um, when I was living with my parents, my room uh, was was filled with an array of, of enclosures. I kept diamond pythons for a while. I kept mm. uh, a lot of blue tongues. I bred blue tongues for for a few years there. Uh, that was actually my first first captive reptile that I got as a as a, as a seven year old, a, a big male blue tongue. So that kind of kicked off the <laughs> the keeping <laughs> side of things. Um, I've kept uh, Nefurus in the past. I have kept. Um, a couple of venomous here and there, and also uh, your, your, your standards, bitter dragons, long-necked turtles. I've kind of had all the, the bread and butter Australian yeah. captives. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, I think as you, you age, your, your interests uh, kind of become more refined. And these days working at the park, um, I'm doing reptiles for, you know, sometimes 10, 11 hours a day. Um, you just want to come home and and kick back on the couch. So <laughs> right now, I've just, I've just yeah. got a uh, a couple of young uh, rough scale pythons at home at the moment. You, you've said you've said the magic word um, or words. We, we, we should tell we should tell Jake that Owen is absolutely obsessed. Yes, with rough scale pythons. That's, that's, that's going to work well. They're, they're my favorite Australian python by far. I've spent uh, a lot of time with those snakes, and, and they're something I, I don't in, intend on not keeping uh, ever, really. They're, they're a great snake. Yeah, it's they are by far my favorites, and <laughs> I, I will perk up every time somebody mentions one. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what now? It's like Ruffy? Okay, so... Uh, but speaking of the Ruffies, do you want to kind of go a little bit more in depth with them to maybe uh, tell us about your setup that you have them in? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so 
Uh, I'll talk. I'll talk about at work firstly because, sure. um, as a lot of people are, are fairly familiar with, the the reptile park has had a long history with rough scale pythons. Um, the species uh, was described in in 1981, and really ever since they were described, John Weigel, who is the owner of the park and still is, uh, he became absolutely fascinated with the species. He conducted many, many trips right through the 90s to the, the northwest Kimberley looking for rough-scale pythons and eventually, fortunately, was able to bring uh, a couple of founder specimens um, to the, the park and that's really what kicked off the species in captivity. Uh, so the original animals, or uh, two of them at least, two mm-hmm. males, we still currently hold at the reptile park. So we've still oh, got two of those, those found males. <laughs> very, very old, very old snakes, but uh, they... Um, yeah, they're still going strong, still feed really well. They're set up in a beautiful, big, naturalistic uh, rock escarpment type enclosure in our reptile house. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's it's pretty amazing to have uh, those two animals. And then we've got an additional male as well who's a little younger. Um, but, yeah, we've got those three snakes on display. And then I've got two, uh, two young ones at home. They're still less than a year old. They were born uh, in December. Uh, just last year so um but, you know they're, they're coming up on on almost a year old or they will be at the end of the year so um i've still got them in a fairly basic basic setup but um one thing that i've found across the board is they they love to be in in, in trees they love perching mm-hmm. um, so we've got perching all through the exhibit at work and then at home i also include um, branches in there for them to to adopt an ambush position off, and and they'll spend a lot of time, particularly at night, hanging off and around those those um, perches. So I've got them set up fairly simple at the moment, but I am intending once they get a little larger to uh, put them in a nice big naturalistic display type setup because I love watching them, particularly at night. That is so cool. Um, it it, it it's. All right, so I did just Google where your park is because we're going to be in Australia, and if I could be anywhere near the founder animals, I would totally make them drive several hours out of our way. (laughs) Unfortunately, we will not be anywhere near you, and that's upsetting. So, um, But that is so cool to think about it because to be working with the founder animals, I mean, I have rough scales here which at some point have to be related to the founder animals and it's insane and it's yeah, just it's crazy cool. yeah <laughs> um can you go a little bit into uh maybe the care and i mean have you bred them at the park yeah we have bred them at the park uh, previously um we haven't really done anything too fancy with them um they tend to be at least in australia a fairly simple species to breed um, a lot of keepers will keep uh, pairs together uh, year round and uh, they just go through the the cycle and do their own thing um, as far as care goes um, they're not too too dissimilar to most other python species you could keep them as simple or as basic as as you want to um, i find they they drink readily uh, so good access to to constant fresh water um, and as far as the feeding side of things goes, that's where mm-hmm. things can get 
uh, a little bit tricky if you're a bit inexperienced with with neonates you might struggle a little bit um, all I've found that tends to be the trick is to use quail uh, scent a, a frozen thawed rodent with quail and typically after a few weeks of, of feeds on on scented food items they'll convert pretty easily to to a rodent diet uh, in saying that I still do like to feed uh, bird even to the adults um, every every now and again um, okay. In the wild, they would be quite, quite, uh, quite a generalist. They'd be feeding on rodents, birds, lizards as as youngsters, frogs as youngsters. Um, so they'd take a wide variety of food items. And I think the more you can replicate that in a captive situation, the better. So Jake, is one of the original uh, wild roughies that you were talking about is one of those the one that was being eaten by an olive python when when they found it? So was yeah yeah so, uh, <laughs> that that awesome. um that snake was was found during the the filming of Mark O'Shea's Big Adventure. I don't know if you guys used to to watch yeah, that. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I used to love that show as a as a kid. Um, and yeah, he went up with John to the Kimberley and and uh, filmed an episode looking for rough-scale pythons. They had a lot of a lot of troubles finding one. Um, I believe they they filmed the ending to the documentary um, without finding one, and then literally the day that they were they were packing up and getting ready to to leave, um, John found one, and um, then I believe they found a second specimen as well, and that second specimen was the one that was being constricted by an olive python um, as they found <laughs> it. Fortunately, they were able to to get in there and and get those two snakes separated. It was about a two meter olive, um, a fairly small roughy, but yeah, it came good and and survived and and um, went on to to, to do fine. <laughs> wow, it's, it's great! That's they awesome. like some, they rip this olive python off this roughy. They're like, get out of here, you! As they throw it over there, it's like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, origi- the, the original. The that must have been is crazy. <laughs> oh, I, I can imagine imagine this snake that you've been searching for for weeks on end and then you finally find it and it's it's wrapped up in an olive pie <laughs> being eaten yeah <laughs> wow oh my god and you know in, in my experience olive pythons are just one of those snakes that if something goes near their head and they can they can swallow it they'll try and eat it so that doesn't yes. surprise me that that an olive was was trying to predate on a on a roughie jesus that's again that's i've ne- I never heard that that's amazing and insane and jake you have found them in the wild correct yeah i found one mm. um it was an amazing trip uh it was in october of last year so um tim faulkner who's the the co-owner of the reptile park director of the park um, he, like John, has been fascinated by rough scale pythons for a very long time. He'd previously gone up there trying to find them and, and had failed. So um, he wanted to do another trip. He wanted some some help. So um, there was a, a group of us that went up, uh, John included, which was pretty special. And, um, yeah, we went up into the, the northwest Kimberley. Um, we had five nights to, to find one. We actually managed to find the snake that we found on the very first night. Didn't see a single okay. a single other specimen, but um, got it out of the way early in the trip, which was was a big relief. Um, yeah, there's, totally. there's nothing nothing worse than traveling 
you know, we travelled for probably 48 hours. Uh, we got a plane from Sydney to uh, Perth, then we flew from Perth to Broome, then we hired a car in Broome. We drove into the Kimberley. So all up, okay. yeah, we, we were travelling wow. for a very long time, very remote, and, yeah, to get one on that very first night was, was pretty special. How did it look compared to the roughies that you have? I mean... Was there any kind of difference? Did it kind of seem a bit different, or was it just a roughy outside? <laughs> it was a it was a be- it was a beautiful looking snake. It was a nice light colored one, although okay. they do tend to tend to be a little lighter at night. And okay. We found that snake at about nine thirty um, in the evening, so um, it had already been dark for a, a few hours. It got it gets dark about seven o'clock up there, and so yeah, we were searching and and managed to come across this. This young animal, it was probably just over two foot long, so it wasn't a big snake by any means, um, but beautiful snake sitting on a rock in ambush uh, originally. Um, it started to move a bit once we uh, once we all sort of got to the scene and, and had torches on it. It, it kind of started to, to get away, but um, I, I presume that snake was probably sitting, waiting in ambush for, for geckos. There's a lot of gecko species up there. And the size of the geckos coincides really well with the size of that snake. Um, you know, any of those gyra or some small, uh, small cave geckos up there mm-hmm. would be perfect for a snake that size. That would be a good meal for that snake. Um, yeah, beautiful, beautiful looking snake, and it was a very, very exciting moment. I can, I can tell you that. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's that's fantastic, man. That's my dream. Find it right away. <laughs> Yeah, like that's that's awesome. I know when Eric and I had gone up to, we'd gone to Mount Carbine and then had come to Gelatin, and we found two jungles very rapidly, and that was sort of the whole point of the trip was finding carpet pythons, and so it was just yes. fantastic to have it out of the way, kind of yes. that first proper night. Yeah, once you once you get your target out of the way, you can really relax and and spend time, uh, you know, looking for other 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 species in that area. It just sort of takes the pressure right off you, and and you know, it's just a huge relief. Yeah. What's what's their current status in the wild? Are they considered endangered, or is it just because they're so remote, or that are they vulnerable? Yeah, really not found. The, the big the big thing with them is I think where they live it is it is just very hard to get to mm-hmm. the majority of their range. Um, there's only a few places in the Kimberley that you can access, um, and you know without without doing helicopters and and boats, which is what John did a lot in the early days. Right. Um, right. You know, without that, it's it's very very hard to access the majority of their distribution. So um, I don't think it's a, a thing of them being endangered or, or threatened i think it's more so the fact that you simply cannot get in there to do proper population surveys and, and work out how many there is i'm sure they are doing just as well as as any other python up there it's mm-hmm. just where they live is incredibly hard to access what's the environment like i mean is it typical northern territory type of of weather is it yeah little... the um the majority of the kimberley um, it's it's a very vast area. It's enormous, and uh, there's a number of different habitat types within. Um, you've got beautiful tropical savanna uh, for a lot of it. Uh, the southern Kimberley 
um, is, is quite an open, vast area, whereas once you get toward the coast, uh, and particularly where you find rough-scale pythons, um, you get this big escarpment country, big rock faces, you get monsoon rainforest. It's beautiful habitat, but at the same time, it is very, very hard to, to work in. Uh, it's very hard work um, and very, very hot. Um, uh, you, you guys can perhaps uh, convert it to, to Fahrenheit. When we were there most days, it was about 46 degrees Celsius. So that's that's well over 100. I think it's over 120 degrees for you. Um, yeah. Wow. Whoa. Very, very, very warm. <laughs> I want to talk about one of my favorite Australian pythons, uh, the Owen Pelly python, um, which I guess as of recently you guys have been working with them at the at the reptile park. Um, maybe you could tell us a little bit about those. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. We um, yeah we received uh, three specimens. We've got uh, 1.2 at the moment, um, and we got those in 2016 um, from Gavin Bedford up in Darwin. Nice. Um, they they arrived as as young animals. They weren't hatchlings. They were they were a couple of months old by the time we got them. And uh, yeah, we've put a lot of work into them, um, getting them to a, a fairly good size now. And um, just this year, we've we've had uh, the boy in with the the larger of the two girls. And um, yeah, fingers fingers crossed because. Uh, I mean, she's certainly a large snake, and and she looks she looks like she's ready to go. We we ultrasounded her; uh, she had good follicular development, but at the same time, you know, it might be a, a case of still she might be a little too young in terms of age. Um, she's certainly a big snake, but maybe it's going to be another couple of years before she is ready. Um, we haven't seen any any uh, any locks, but um, I'm, I'm quietly confident that that um that we might be might be good um if the, if not this year maybe in in the next few years certainly um because she is looking looking really good they're beautiful snakes um a very challenging snake to to get feeding in our experience um well, we've had to, to do a lot of uh, a lot of scenting and a lot of a lot of patiently waiting for them to to eat they're um they're kind of a a, a challenge but yeah just a uh a great snake, um, pretty active. Surprisingly, I thought they'd be one snake that would would sit in the one spot for for weeks on end. But if you come in there in the early morning or the afternoon, um, and certainly in the evening, they're they're um, quite active. We've got perching in there for them as well, um, which they they use readily. We also have um, some kind of uh, cracks, you know, rock cracks. Uh, I guess replicated within the enclosure, so they can get in there. And, um, and really get themselves nice and tight back in those those cracks. Um, but yeah, they're they're an incredible snake. The the larger of the two girls is about uh, maybe eleven foot now. Wow, and that's yeah, not even full grown. <laughs> no, 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 right? Maybe, right? <laughs> or at least yeah. you know, adult, mature. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, they. Um, I know of it. I know of. Uh, one captive specimen up in Darwin with Gavin that's over five meters. So um, wow, yeah, and they're a a, they're more of a slender type of snake, right? right. Yeah, in terms of their in terms of their appearance and their morphology, they're very very similar to I don't know if you guys saw any when you're in North Queensland, but the the Australian tree snakes, our uh, our our green tree snakes, 
um, a dendrolophus. Okay. They're, uh, they're very, very similar to, to those in terms of their appearance. Long, slender snake, long head, very arboreal, uh, very, very powerful as well. Um, you know, they're, when, once they get onto something, they're very, very hard to remove, more so than, than other types <laughs> I've found. Um, I guess you could compare the, their strength uh, to maybe like a, a retic um, in the fact that they, they're they very, very powerful, but they're a more slender snake. Okay. Right. And kind of if they get an inch, maybe they can they can sort of grab with an inch of their body, kind of their relative to their body weight, just an amazing amount. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's, just it's, a little cling, and they've they've got a ton of strength from that. Yep, yep, yeah. I've I've seen them, and, and we we've all seen pythons do this, where they 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 extend the front part of their body out, searching for another another mm-hmm. perch. Uh-huh. Yeah, I've I've seen them do that. You know, four or five feet out in the air, um, <laughs> and yeah, all they have to do is is get their head, and then and then get a get a wrap around something, and they can yeah they can pull themselves up to up to whatever they need to. One of the things that fascinates me is the fact that the color changes uh, with them. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, at night and um, certainly when we get into work first thing in the morning, um, nice and early, they tend to be a very, very light gray color with a lot more brown uh, mm-hmm. coming through they look really 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 nice uh, that's when they're at their best and then as the day progresses they they lose a lot of their their uh, pattern and they'll they'll just kind of go to a, a darker gray brownie kind of uniform color so it's pretty interesting the way that that the the not only the color but the level of pattern that you can see uh, varies depending on the time of day um, is, so that is cool it's, it's certainly most prominent uh, in the early hours of the morning is there any thoughts on to why they do that? Potentially, I, I, I'm not 100% sure. Um, where they're from is incredibly, incredibly hot. Um, I doubt that they would be doing a whole lot of basking during the day. Um, mm-hmm. So the fact that they, they go darker, um, yeah, we'll, we'll see in some other Australian species that they go darker during winter to absorb more heat. But there's really no need for that where they're, where they're from. Um, so I'm, I'm not really sure why they do that, but, um, yeah, I do know that at night, um, that's when they're at their most active. That's when they're, they're moving around and they probably spend most of their time during the day, uh, tucked away back in a nice cool rock crevice somewhere where they can, can escape the heat. Right. That's cool. Now this is my target species for our trip at the end of, uh, it's very optimistic. I don't know that we're going to get pull one, even that second night, man, but we'll, we'll give it our best shot. Yeah. You never know <laughs> that in the Darwin carpet Python, but, um, you found one in the wild. Maybe you could talk a little bit about that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, earlier this year, actually, we, um, we headed up to, to the top end. Um, that was my second trip up there. Um, I spent a bit of time in November 2017 in, uh, in the, the top end as well, up in the Northern Territory, um, looking for the species. Didn't find one that first trip. And so this second trip, we, um, yeah, we, we sort of had our hearts set on it. And unlike the rough scale python, which we were able to get straight away, this Owen Pelly python took uh, quite a number of nights, very similar way that you search for for own pellies um just walking around up in the 
up in the escarpment, um, pretty hard going, very, very warm, very humid. You just, sweat is just running off you. And uh, fortunately, on the last on the last night, we were able to, to find one, um, which was actually roosting uh, up in a tree. Um, something that I suspected juveniles uh, do a lot, spend a lot of their time up there, but uh, this was far from a juvenile. This was a very, very large snake, um, closer to to four metres than, than three metres. It was a, um, a good-sized snake. Wow. That's fantastic. What was the temperament like as far as uh, the, the, the wild one? Or if it was uh, in the tree, did you all even really get kind of at a distance? Or... Yeah, very, very similar to, uh, to the captives that I work with at the park. Very, very quiet. Okay. Um, very easygoing. They just kind of move around very slowly. Um, yeah, they're, they're a very pleasant snake, um, even in the wild, as opposed to, to some of our other Australian Australian species. <laughs> I know, I know, scrub pipes <laughs> in captivity can be can be a uh, a handful, a bit of a nightmare. Um, but in saying that, the wild scrub pythons I've seen, and I don't know if you can you can agree with the the couple that you saw up there. Um, very, very quiet snakes in the wild as well. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was, was quite interesting. Well, it's very Maybe not Rob's. Say that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. The one I found was. <laughs> well, having been the initial person to grab grab both of them, uh, I didn't say that. Um, but, uh, yeah, the, the the smaller one, it gave a look. Like it was, you know, it, it considered it and <laughs> said, eh, you know, I'll pass. It's okay. I, I'm not threatened enough to really go for it. The big one that I just was concerned about getting it off the road, you know, it took a quick nip and, you know, left a bloody leg or whatever. But other than that, it was fine. It was, you know, it was that yeah. incident. You just getting it off the road immediately, you know, gave, it caused it to react a little bit. But after that, it was, it was okay. I put it around my neck and then I kind of, it back, it, it was looking at those two and, uh, it back, it asked back into my chest. And that's when I thought maybe I'd made a misjudgment, you know, when I would go to the airport and, uh, you know, customs would say, Hey, what happened to your face, mate? You know, that sort of thing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. I, um, they're, they're a great snake as well. Um, I've seen a, a couple now in the wild and, and the first one I found was, was quite a large one. Um, about maybe four meters as well, and um, yeah, just just not a uh, not a bad bone in its body. Very very quiet. Um, at one point, it made a bit of a lunge and and did actually uh, hit me as I was photographing it. But it was just a, a closed mouth, sort of just bounced off me. Uh, fortunately, because you did not want to take a, a bite from a a big scrubby. A few years ago, <laughs> I was I was at a, a reptile expo and I saw someone. Uh, get bitten on the hand by about a four and a half meter scrubby very very long teeth lots of blood the snake didn't let go either it was was on there pretty good and, um yeah they actually had to to physically remove that that snake and his hand was was in a bit of a bad way after that no doubt so no <laughs> not yeah i mean wanted to get bitten by yeah, this this one was probably a male. You know, it was probably three, three and a half meters, something like that. And yeah. uh, it just gave a quick taste. It wasn't uh, wasn't what you're talking about. No, no. Um, and the old pellies as well, very similar. Uh, I mean, they're in the same same 
genus as, as the as the Australian scrubs. Uh, very, very long teeth as well. Um, I've seen a few times where they've been taking down a, a big rat or a bird and, and um, yeah, you just see those those teeth as they work their jaws around that food item. And, and I've been bitten once by, by one of the Ompellies at work when, when it was quite young. Really now. wasn't a big issue, but now, <laughs> now I really would not want to take a bite from that, that big girl. Yeah, wow. no. Eric, I think you're going to hit on this a little bit, but I, I, and I, I really hesitant to pull away from as amazing as Owen Pelly's art. They really strike me as being super similar to Papuan pythons or Apodora in terms of their characteristics. Yeah, yeah. Eric. I've only ever seen, seen photos of Apodora, but um, yeah, from, from what I've seen, uh, they do look to be be fairly similar in terms of their their morphology. Um, yeah, that's that's another interesting species that that um, I, I honestly don't know too much about. Um, but yeah, something I'd like to to certainly see and and potentially keep it at some point. Um, there's a lot over here that uh, that we can keep, but at the same time, pretty well anything exotic is is very yeah, hard to get our hands on. Even in, in even in a zoo zoo facility, um, it's it's a lot of paperwork and uh, hard work to get even common. You know, we're trying to get, for example, Western diamondback rattlesnakes, eyelash vipers, tegus. Uh, you know, very very common things in, in captivity uh, in the states and in Europe, and and it's it's a, a bit of a hassle for us to get those those things even within a zoo. So um, mm-hmm. yeah, things like like. Apodora and you know stuff like Bushmasters, um, yeah, anything. You know, I, I really, really would love to work with with Bushmaster at some point, and um, yeah, I just don't think it'll it'll ever happen while ever I'm working in Australia, at least, unfortunately. <laughs> right? Yeah, Eric and I both have um, Apodora, the captive bred Apodora. You know, I've had wild cuts as well, but just the length, the strength, the sort of streamlined body size. They change color day to night, Very and similar. really the feeding thing sounds super similar because they they really do like you have to kind of present it just right, or you know if you're not feeding a scented item, then you have to yep. present it just right because if they don't hit that right on, kind of on the nose of it, right perfect to eat it, then they'll mess with it for an hour, you know, half an hour or 45 minutes or an hour or whatever. And then they'll eventually leave it. You know, meanwhile, if you try and grab it, then they're going to, you know, as I found the other night, they'll put a tooth in here or whatever. And that, that gets exciting. But, uh, yeah, yeah it, it just, it sounds like, man, these are probably in reality, sim very I, I don't know if that phylogenetic work has been done, but I would think that those are probably pretty related snakes yeah it's it sounds very similar to to Owen Pelly's exactly as you're describing they have to hit it right on the face um you know most snakes of course will will um will let go if they grab it you know on the hind end or on the mid body and, and find the head but Owen Pelly's just do not seem to do that if they if they don't grab it right on the snout then um then they'll drop it and, and, and leave it, which is incredibly frustrating. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Just, yep. just got to present it just right. But, yeah, in terms of Australia and New Guinea, um, we've only been separated from, from PNG for about 6,000 years. So you see a lot of um, a lot of very similar species, obviously. And um, in terms of genetics, things like uh, PNG taipans and Australian coastal taipans, 
genetically the same snake. Um, I'm sure the, the scrub pythons at the tip of Cape, Cape York, at least, would be genetically very similar to, to the scrub pythons in southern New Guinea. And as you say, Apodora and, and things like Owen Pelly are probably not too not too distant in the big big scheme of things that's awesome i know everyone here has been very excited we it's been percolating you know for for a handful of years at least but uh one of the local uh, importers here just got some spotted pythons from papua new guinea or from um you know formerly Erie and jaya um yep. that have been captive bred there or whatever you know but so that's a species again that maybe until the last 20 years or so wasn't known to be in both australia and you know the Papuan island mm-hmm. yeah yeah there, there's certainly a lot of crossover and and um if you look at, at even the elapid side of things um almost all of the northern australian Alapids, uh, Papua New Guinea will have have either the same the same species or or a very very closely related species. All of our uh, northern whip snakes, uh, black whip snakes, uh, brown snakes. You get a form of of uh, Sedecus up there. Uh, you of course have have Papuan black snakes as well. So um, there is there is a lot of crossover when it comes to the herpetology of of uh, Papua New Guinea and, and northern Australia. You know, we kind of hit on you breeding Owen Pelly pythons and stuff or, or attempting to breed. What about King Horneye? Do you guys work with them at the zoo? And are they difficult? Like, it seems that scrubs are a little more um, difficult to breed in captivity, at least over here in the States. Have you? Yeah, I think um, we don't keep keep King Horneye currently. Um, oh, okay. we, have had, we have had uh, specimens in the past. Um, that we've we've kept for either display or or um, or we've we've sent them uh, to to various other places. We've just held them here for a short period, but um, I've uh, I've seen a lot of captive king horneye, and and for the most part in the Australian reptile industry, at least they don't seem to be a, a really popular snake just because they get they the do size. get so big and, mm-hmm. and the captive specimens do tend to have a bit of a, a bad temperament associated with them. So um, they're not a snake that's that's frequently bred, but in mm-hmm. saying that, I think the people that, that have kind of uh, cracked the uh, cracked the mould with them and, and worked them out um, tend, to, tend to do quite well. And I'm sure there's a, a few people that you could you could have on here that would know a lot more about breeding scrub pythons than than what I do. But um, what I do know is, and it's the same with olive pythons. I think you tend to have a little bit more success um, the longer that you that you leave the animal, a bit more maturity to them. I think you tend to have a bit a bit higher chance of success in breeding. Gotcha. Okay. Now um, I'm cu- back and track to the Owen Pelly real quick. Um, when you're breeding those, are you cycling them similar to what you're cycling um, other pythons, or do you have a specific uh, regimen for them? Yeah, well, we, we haven't bred them yet, so that, you know right. what we're what we're, what we're doing is <laughs> we're trying. Is a, yeah. bit of, uh, is a bit of bit yeah. Of I should trying, rephrase uh, that. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, we're trying no, to breed. <laughs> There's no guarantee that 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 what we've done or what we'll do in the future is is going to work, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, essentially the same. We've we've just uh, really cycled them uh, using using a nighttime drop. Um, we will will cut all heat for uh, a few hours overnight, and then um, they'll experience a, a drop, and then uh, we'll bring them up, back up 
uh, through the day, maybe not to quite the temperature that they're they're sitting at through summer, but uh, you know certainly still still a decent basking spot, um, almost uh, almost year round, and and cert- certainly for uh, the first couple of years that they were here at the park, uh, we did keep them fairly warm with a hot spot of about I'll try and convert it. I think it was about a 92 or a 94 degree hot spot, okay. um, which I think translates to to about 33 34 degrees celsius which is what we've been what we've been keeping them at at the warm end uh but yeah in terms of of um cycling yeah we dropped that a bit and um yeah we've been been pairing on and off and and we haven't seen anything but uh the male to me certainly looks looks very interested and um hopefully fingers crossed at some point in the last few months, the girls you know, whacked her tail out and let him, uh, let him do his thing. <laughs> but no one's, uh, no one's, no one's seen that. So it'll just be a, a thing of, of monitoring the girl and seeing what, what comes of that. And if not, we will, uh, we'll try again next year and see how we go. With the snake that yeah. big, is there records of uh, the clutch sizes? Yeah. Uh, there's, yeah, there's, there's a few. Um, there's a few records. Um, some of the early, early breedings um, didn't produce uh, very many eggs at all. I know mm-hmm. when Peter Krause bred them in North Queensland, um, I think his first clutch was maybe eight or nine eggs. Yeah. Um, so, so not an enormous clutch, and that was actually quite an old snake as well. I think that was a snake that was over 10 years of age. So, um, yeah, there's not a whole lot. But in saying that, I'm sure Gavin would have would have recorded some fairly decent sized um, clutches, right. particularly from that that five meter girl that that he's got. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Uh, one question, Jake, in terms of just in terms of how you're getting the how they're set up or the temperatures that sort of thing, uh, how do you achieve that basking temperature? Is that kind of lights or is that a radiant heat panel? Is that under tank? Is that some alternative you know methodology that i'm not considering how, how do you in terms of maintaining these things how are you guys achieving that uh so the way that we have the 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 uh adults set up or, or they're they're pretty well adults now um is that we have them in in large melamine enclosures um that are about five foot maybe six foot long um okay. quite okay. deep as well and we have a uh, a ceramic heat fitting in one end that that puts out a okay. uh, a good a good hot spot, and we essentially have a have a shelf uh, right near the hot spot that they can go on and uh, and sit quite close to that ceramic if they need to. Um, but sure. I found they actually spend the majority of their time either in the middle of the enclosure in a hide box, or at the uh, the other far end sitting in a um, sitting in the crevice up that end. So. When I've temped okay. them with the with the temp gun, they tend to be at about 27, 28 degrees almost exclusively. So they'll they'll use the basking site, particularly when they're uh, in sloth. They'll spend a lot of time in the warm the warm right. uh, side when they're about to shed, and then also, of course, when they've they've just been fed, they'll go and sit right under the heat. But aside from that, they tend to tend to prefer the, sure. the cooler temperatures. I think. That's That's awesome. I know a long kind of standard discussion that we've had on the show in terms of cycling is, you know, kind of expanding beyond just temperature cycling into food cycling and humidity cycling and light cycling and all all these different sorts of things. Is that something that 
you guys kind of factor in as well as it kind of is just looking at it from the sense of saying, well, we don't know which of these variables is really the driver of action, or maybe it's one, two or three of these five different things, that sort of thing. Um, do you run through food cycling as well, or do you cycle uh, either the availability of that heat or the, the lights, the lights that otherwise might be present in the room or any of those things? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I guess the downside to using a ceramic is that you do not have have light being emitted from that, that mm -hmm. source like you would with a a, a basking globe. Um, so we um, we do have fluorescence um, installed in the top of the enclosure as well. So we can actually um, we provide a life uh, sorry a light cycle um, in the enclosure, but we also have uh, lights within the room that are that are um, set to go on and off. At a certain times, so yeah, over um, over the the cooling winter period, I guess we um, did alter the the light availability to the snakes as well, and of course, food is is a big one. Um, we didn't feed them for about two and a half months through through winter, and then as we started to to increase temps, we started to offer a, a, a lot of food quite frequently, smaller food items more frequently, and uh, I think certainly with the male, that's what kicked him into into gear. Um, and hopefully it, it did the same with the uh, the larger girl. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, who knows, uh, or at least I don't know uh, what kind of which are the determinative factors. So I just try and hit on as many as possible and, and see what works. I suppose Gav's the the best source, especially in terms of that species. But uh, yeah, absolutely. We're hopeful to chat with them when we go up to Darwin here in the next month. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He um. He's he's certainly lived in that area and and knows that species probably um, probably better than than anyone. So he would absolutely be the person to talk to about about old path, uh, old pelly pythons. Um, yeah, in terms of of the keeping side of things, I've got three years experience, whereas he probably has uh, over a decade. So um, it's uh, it's certainly a, an interesting species and one that we still need to, to learn a lot more about. And I'm sure that'll come as they begin to become more widely available within the, uh, the first of the Australian uh, keeping hobby and then um, potentially over overseas as well. Uh, are yeah, you we guys, can only hope, right? <laughs> are, are you guys required? Are you guys like taking notes of keeping and breeding? Because you have to be, I mean, how many of these are in a zoo-like setting at this point? Uh, currently, we have the only uh, only zoo facility that I know of that that has Owen Pelly pythons. Um, there would be a couple of facilities uh, similar to up in Darwin. Um, obviously, Gavin has his own specimens, but I believe there may be one or two specimens on display at the Territory Wildlife Park, which you guys may may visit when you're... Yeah. I know they have had uh, specimens on display in the past. Um, but, yeah, as far as, as the east coast of Australia goes, um, I believe we're the only ones with Owen with Pelly Pythons. That's awesome. So, so a lot of research is getting, I mean... I know Gavin's got his thing, but I mean, are you guys also doing your own kind of research or are you just kind of just worrying about the care? What you're doing? Yeah. 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 <laughs> like well, whatever it is, what it is, but you're recording it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We are. Um, and, and certainly myself and, and a few of the other guys are, are very, um, very strict on, on the record keeping side of things. So in terms of temperatures, 
Um, and certainly the, the, the breeding side of things, we've been documenting everything that we've been doing. So hopefully if it's successful, if it's successful, we can, um, we can come out with a bit of that. And hopefully that, that's just one step in the right direction to learning more about the, the species as a whole. Something really cool to hang your hat on, you know, you being part of a team that bred Owen Pelly pythons in a zoo <laughs> setting for the first time. It's like, yes, like, yeah, I'd, I'd be all right with that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think one of the most valuable, valuable things about keeping a species in captivity, aside from reproducing them, um, it's just what you can learn about their ecology. Um, Mm -hmm. I think when you, you have an enclosure that's, that's large enough and, and set up in the right way, um, you can really start to get a feel for what these animals would be doing, um, in the wild on a much smaller scale, of course, but, um, you, you see what time of day they're, they're basking and when they're, they're moving to seek refuge and, and things like that. Um, and when they're adopting ambush positions, um, I know with the, the smaller of the two girls um, in particular, she will, um, she will often uh, sit with that typical uh, S-down ambush position that you, you've probably seen on mm-hmm. in chondros or, or rough-scale pythons before. Um, mm-hmm. So that's that's generally a pretty good indicator that she's she's ready for a feed. And other than that, um, uh, you know, we we tend just to to leave them and and let us know when they they want to be want to be fed. Um, unfortunately, even when they do show that they're interested in in food, it's whether you've you've got the right food, what they want. Oh, that's annoying. (laughs) Yeah. I want it, not that. (laughs) She could sit in an ambush for five days in a row and you might throw throw the most beautiful looking rat in front of her and, and yeah, she'll turn her nose up at it. So it's a bit tricky. That's fantastic. Do you have, uh, do you guys at the park have any of them on display or is it all kind of in the back to try and focus on breeding them? Yeah, currently it's in the back. We have them um, uh, set up in an off-display area, but uh, I assume and I hope once we um, once we can breed them, uh, that's kind of the focus at the moment. But once we can get some some uh, uh, some eggs and 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 more available, then we would hopefully be able to put the adults that we have currently on display. It would be would be really great to do that. Um, I would love to to uh, knock out a few enclosures and 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 completely rebuild from scratch mm-hmm. uh, a beautiful Owen Pelly exhibit. That would be that would be the goal. But uh, yeah, they um, they need to get on display. Um, unfortunately, with a species like that, unless you're a, a reptile person for the general public, they're probably just going to see a, a, a big grey snake that that really <laughs> hold, hold like me. But the reptile. Uh. Cool. So, yeah, Jake, I, I know, you know, Eric and I were really excited to see the, the prospect of seeing scrub pythons. And, you know, we found we found two two live ones uh, each time. They were immediately preceded by one that had been run over in the 30 to 40 minutes, you know, since we'd gone the other direction or whatever. Yeah. So it was uh, crushing, you know, in terms of that one at Tully and then one uh, when we were coming back from Daintree. Uh, and that, yeah. that was the big one that, that was sort of. I know. I, I suppose this is. I'd be curious about this. I, Eric and I have been talking about this a lot in terms of field herping. One of the 
the things that we've seen is sort of what we would classify as our find, our snake or our reptile, our monitor, whatever it might be, where it's like, the yeah, I was with a group and it was a great experience. But if I wasn't here, if I didn't notice that snake, then maybe the group wouldn't have seen that snake or monitor or whatever it is. And that that's sort of special to us in a, in a certain way, even more. It's great to see all of them. But when you, you find one where it's like, if I wasn't here, we wouldn't have seen that. That's a really special thing that that I know Eric and I both respectively think about a lot. Is that something you find as well? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, yeah. When whenever I go herping, I try to I try to uh, keep it with a, a small, tight group of, of people that I'm that I'm really close with. Because honestly, when you you're in the desert or you're in the the Kimberley for <laughs> a couple of weeks at a time with with people you got you got to know them pretty well and you got to get along so um yeah often i'm not with with huge groups of people but certainly i think a, a, a species is is very very special when you find it yourself or you're all together and, and, and you come across it um i know with uh, with a few things um that that i've seen um it just wouldn't have been the same if if somebody had of um somebody had found it 200 meters away and and called me over to it it's 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 far more special in my opinion to to be able to see it uh, firsthand as 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 it's found, I find too that it's the actual ha- like wh- I don't know how you find it, where you find it, like wh- you know the circumstance, right? Yeah, yeah. because like uh, you know, I, real quick, I'll tell you the story of the the rattlesnake. I mean, we saw timber rattlesnakes, in, you know, in these rock crevices, and they were cool. But this one in particular that, you know, we kind of found um, just hanging off the side of a mountain in Pennsylvania was had a special uh, spot in our heart. You know what I mean? It was it's I I don't know how to explain it. It's just that that one in particular was uh, was was much cooler uh, than the other ones, if if you will, you know. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I always I always find as well, I mean. Road cruising is a fantastic way to to see a large number of snakes and and cover a lot of ground in a short space of time. But um, I think finding a snake on on foot um, almost always is is far more more rewarding. Um, yes, <laughs> you know, it's just it's just far more likely that you're going to see that snake doing something that's that's more natural. Than uh, than just crossing a road, um, you know, finding a python in ambush or or finding a you know an alapid that's that's cruising around hunting. It's it's just uh, it's a little more interesting than than seeing a snake stretched out on a road, in my opinion. Agreed. <laughs> not that not that I both are cool. Both are cool. Both are cool. Not that I don't like road cruising, especially when I'm feeling a bit a bit lazy you get to sit in the car with the air con and mm-hmm. get some music going and <laughs> i'm all right with that usually find a lot more snakes that way too yeah very cool the only downside of the air conditioning right we saw this down at tully is and cowley beach was then you open the car door and all of a sudden the whole thing fogs up and you can't you can't even drive away because you can't see it all <laughs> yeah or you run out for a uh Run out for a snake, and you 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 leave your door open in excitement, and and the the car's filled with insects in two seconds. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh gosh, that was going to be my next question because uh, our friend Casey Cannon went to Australia uh, this past couple months ago, and he's like, oh, uh, bring a 
uh, make sure your hat is equipped to some sort of fly net. And I'm like, why? And he sends me a picture of himself just covered in flies. And I'm like, all right, point taken. So is are insects really horrible out there? Or is that because you've been wandering around the bush and smell horrible? I mean, is it a... <laughs> It is an egg, egg and chicken kind of a deal, or what's going on here? <laughs> I think it's a bit of a bit of a mix. In certain places, uh, the, the flies in particular can be can be very very bad. I remember one of the first big trips I did. It was out to Western Queensland to to um, up to Mount Isa and and out to Windora looking for for inland taipans, and um, it was it was very very hot um, and a lot of flies. The flies were really really bad um and there's nothing more frustrating than you know you're, you're talking to someone and you you have a full <laughs> 10 flies going down yep. in your ears and and oh you know just all around your face they can be incredibly annoying and something you might experience up in up in darwin uh, particularly if it's if you've had a bit of rain the um yeah the, the insects at night tend to be fairly uh fairly relentless um the last time I was, <laughs> yeah we, we time heard I was about that there, the last time I was up there, I took a video of a, a brown tree snake cruising around on some rocks, and because of my head torch lighting up the snake, there was just these little flying <laughs> ants just covering uh. the rock and the snake. It was just like a a moving a moving mass of, of insects across the rock. It was was horrendous. Oh wow! <laughs> my gosh! Oh dear! Um. <laughs> All right. Yeah, have fun with that. <laughs> yeah, so that we there was a little bit of warning given to us about yeah maybe Darwin you'll see more than you did around Cairns and Chiligo. Yeah, any of those any of those warm tropical tropical parts of the country um, you'll 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 experience that. There's just no avoiding it, unfortunately. <laughs> Bring it on! I'll take it if I yep. get to see right. some other right. ants in the wild. Yep. We'll suffer through it. <laughs> um, Awesome. Uh, in terms of the scrub python stuff, I guess, you know, I see in your Flickr account, which is fantastic. Anyone listening should definitely check it out. Um, you know, and you can link that's linked off of your Instagram, right? Um, yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah. So I, I see that you saw one at least. Uh, and do you want to tell us a little bit about that? That's just a, a snake that we have a particular, you know, uh, uh, appeal you know uh, it appeals to us in a, in a certain way i know we've all kept scrub pythons instead not not king Hornet, but scrub pythons and they're really fantastic they're they're a handful but they're fantastic really cool critters so we'd love to hear about any of those you've seen yeah absolutely the um yeah the the first time i went up to uh cans i've been up there twice now um i stayed with a a close the friend of mine uh, Matt Somerville he um, he works up there as a, a zookeeper as well so um, we've we've got that in common but he also keeps a, an incredible array of of species at home um, a lot of a lot of elapids he he really loves brown snakes and and specialises in in uh, keeping the majority of species and has also bred the majority of species very good snake breeder um, but a very good good herper as well and. Um, we we spent a couple of nights up there, um, not necessarily just targeting scrub pythons. There was a number of, of things that I wanted to see: chameleon geckos. Um, there was yeah a, a totally. few elapids. We um, we went out to and I know you guys have been out towards uh, Chiligo, Almaden Way, and um, we we spent a night out there looking for the the, the big ring-tailed geckos that are out on those right. rocks. 
Um, so yeah, it was a lot of fun, and, and we did manage to to see on our second night um, a, a quite a large scrub python as well as a number of other snake species, and then um, yeah, a, a smaller one a few a few nights later as well, which I think is the the photo you might be talking about. Um, yeah, just just beautiful snakes, and um, yeah, one that that I certainly wanted to see whilst I was up there. Um, it's not and not something that a lot of North Queensland purpose will will find particularly uh particularly special sure. or interesting once they once they've seen <laughs> yeah, yeah seen a handful or, sure. or 60 mm-hmm. of them they they get a bit older sure. sure but um yeah they're they're a pretty a pretty excellent snake and and one that i was pretty happy to to see whilst i was up there i got my first water python the same night that uh that we we found that big scrub python so yeah managed to tick off some some uh, pretty cool species on that on that fairly short trip to to Cairns that first time. I was just going to say, obviously, the photography side of things uh, for myself is a, is a fairly big part of it. Um, totally, it, it's it's something that I've been involved with for a, a few years now, um, and yeah, it's it's like anything. The more you do it, the 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 better you get at it. Um, you know, there's always room for an improvement and a lot of frustration involved. Um, you know your expectations for your own photos just just get higher and higher the more time that <laughs> goes by and it just gets gets more frustrating um, mm-hmm. as time goes by as well but um, yeah for me yes it's it, it can be a bit of a pain at the time I'd love to just find a snake take a quick phone photo and 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 toss it off the road and, and keep going i'm sure you'd probably see see a lot more a lot more wildlife if you didn't spend time <laughs> photographing everything but for me i do like coming back from a trip and and just having good good records of of everything that uh, i've seen and for me that's that's really all it's it's about um i don't tend to do do too much with the photography other than than posting it on online and um, you know, just having it for myself as, as a record of, of things that I've seen. Man, I got to say, your photography is unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, it's I'm, awesome. It's, wow. Yeah, it's <laughs> oh, amazing. Holy thank shit. Thank you, yeah. It's, um, yeah, it's, it's one of those things that, you know, I, I hate it and I, I love it at the same time. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it depends. It depends on the species as well. Some some animals are, are are an absolute pleasure to photograph, and you know that you couldn't think of anything better than than sitting there with with this particular reptile in front of you. They just make it so easy. But um, that's that's certainly the minority. Um, for the most part, most reptiles tend to be uh, fairly horrendous to to try and try and take <laughs> photos of don't like to sit still which is understandable but um sure yeah it's um it's something that i've put a bit of time and, and a bit of effort into in the last couple of years and i um, mean it's 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 kind of paying off a little bit now i've had a few a few publications recently which have, have wanted to use my photos and as i said I, I that that was never the intention i just just wanted to take photos for myself but you know if other people can can learn something or or see a see a particular animal through through my photography that's that's always a, a bonus as well because you're getting mm-hmm. getting the animal out there so here's a here's a question do you have i'm i'm staring at the picture of the diamond python which is just amazing by the way the that's a beautiful snake but um do you have any tips? Yeah, absolutely. If you're um if you're just getting into 
to reptile photography, the first thing I would say is you, you don't need to to worry about spending you know a few thousand dollars on on expensive camera gear. Um, I got my camera for my 18th birthday. It's um it's lasted me what are we you know five years down the track now canon 60d it's it's still going strong it's a it's a great camera and uh yeah i've just got a, a relatively cheap macro lens that i use with that and then um and then a couple of external speed lights as well which were, were very cheap i just bought them online um and from there you, you can pretty well uh, get as, as as fancy or as, as basic as you you want to um but I think the main thing with reptiles, of course, as we know, is the majority of it is is at night. So um, I think a big part of taking a nice reptile photo is is all of that uh, lighting that you that you um, you do on top of taking the, the photo itself. Um, if you've got if you've got a bit of a uh, bit of lighting gear, a few speed lights, then then you should be good to go. It's um it's just spending the time and working out how to how to get the best out of your gear and, and working out how it all works together. But once you've done that and you, you've got your basic settings and your basic setup ready to go, then um, it just comes down to, to getting the animal to sit still, basically. <laughs> <laughs> the hardest part. Yeah, right. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, you know, it, it's, um, it's, it's something as well that it's just one of those things you spend a lot of hours doing it. And at the time, as I said, it, it just seems like a bit of a waste of time, but I often regret when I get back from a trip and I don't take photos or enough photos. That's, that's when I get uh, frustrated more so than the frustration that, um, that builds when you're actually taking the photos. It works out, it works out <laughs> better in the long run to, right. to photograph as much as you possibly can. Okay. All right. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm, I'm amazed by these photographs of these. Are are the majority of what you're looking at on your on your Flickr account are they mostly taken at night, or is it just is it a mix, or because it's mostly yeah, mostly taken at night. Um, wow, and it, and, and, <laughs> it may not it may not look like that, but but that just comes back to the to lighting. The, um, the yeah. lighting, yeah, that's yeah. that's yeah. the important part. It's 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 much more important with reptile photography um, than even the the lens or the the camera itself, in my opinion. If you've got a a, a relatively basic camera, yeah. what you would want to spend money on is is lighting and and I do use soft boxes as well, which I think make a a big difference. I like that that nice um, soft lighting um, as opposed to to some quite harsh lighting like like you might see if you were just using an underfused uh speed light but right uh, yeah it, it more so comes back to that lighting side of things so are you just using like the the lighting off the off the camera uh but are, are you setting up lights around the, the reptile or yeah correct so i'll always use two external speed lights um, okay. either side of the animal and gotcha. then those those speed lights are triggered by the um, by the flash the pop up flash on the on the camera itself. So um, gotcha. three light three light sources all diffused, and um, that way you're you're getting quite a nice throw of, of fairly even light across the animal, and often the the result is is quite nice even at night. That's amazing. That's a good tip. Yeah, a lot, of people, um, <laughs> a lot of people don't tend to to like the 
the catch light that you'll get in the animal's eye if you um, if you use three flushes because you will see, particularly if you look through most of my photos because I just leave it as is, but you will see three you'll see the three light sources in the eye of the animal. Um, you'll see you'll see three three lights, um, but that can easily be you know you can either remove them entirely, which I think looks looks very very weird. I would leave at least one at least one light source certainly, but if you want to get rid of the other two or the other three, however many speed lights you're using, then um, yeah, you, you can you can go ahead and do that fairly easily. When you're editing, um, I, I don't tend to worry about uh, editing aside from from watermarking. I just tend to to leave it as is. I'm not so fussy in in that respect. I'd much rather take the time and and get the shot uh, whilst I'm there and have the the result on the back of the camera as opposed to trying to create the result later on yeah sure wow amazing stuff man very very cool yeah it's something that that's pretty popular particularly in australia and and of course herpes right across the world um you know every single day and and you see it now with with social media just incredible photos of of incredible species and and particularly in the last 10 years it's really taken off in in australia um the majority of of people that I go out with and certainly my, my close mates that I do um, a lot of my trips with will um, uh, will be exactly the same, take a bit of time to, to get some really nice shots and, and it just becomes kind of a, a, uh, a thing that, that brings you together. You'll, you'll find an animal and then you all get to, to spend a bit of time with it photographing it. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a pretty, pretty, pretty good thing. Yeah. Let's talk about... I'm curious. So, you know, when I went to your Instagram, um, I, you know, obviously I'm drawn right to the, uh, to the carpet Python, of course, uh, <laughs> one of my favorites. Um, but, uh, diamond pythons, maybe yeah. you found them in the wild and you've kept them. Uh, maybe talk about like, uh, what, what conditions you found them in, you know? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, diamond pythons are, uh, they're the only python within the Sydney region, which is where I grew up. So um, okay. you could get diamond pythons and, and that photo of the diamond python on my Instagram or Flickr. Um, that is one that, that was found about 10 minutes from my my house that I grew up in. So uh, they, were lo- they were a local species for, for me growing up. They were one that we saw uh, quite frequently. Typically, we'd see them on summer summer evenings um just just cruising around um generally crossing roads um they can be a very very common snake in the in the right conditions um in saying that they are a snake that can deal with um some very very cool conditions as 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 you know the world's most southern occurring python species so um during winter they're they're experiencing some very very cold conditions and even in summer if you get an adverse night that may be you know, 10 or 15 degrees cooler than, than average. Every other snake's not going to bother coming out that night. You may get a diamond python that that uh, slowly makes its way around, makes its way out to uh, to try and get any kind of heat that it might be able to. So, I've seen diamond pythons crossing the road in the pouring rain, freezing cold, drinking off the road, really warm summer nights. Um, so they're kind of a, a a bulletproof python in that respect that they. They can deal with the quite a wide array of, of temperatures and, and conditions. That's awesome. That wow. is cool. I do <laughs> like that. <laughs> wow. Have you noticed, uh, like, uh, 
any different difference in the phenotype of them depending on like how you know if you go farther north or farther south uh, are they pretty much the same it's high yellow high black high white yeah that kind of thing yeah they um they do vary qu- quite a bit um where i grew up um i guess i don't want to say less attractive but they are less attractive than than where i'm living right now where i'm living on the central coast um you do get a, a couple of spots where you can get um, some quite high yellow animals, um, and certainly as you head further north, um, you begin to see some very attractive individuals. But then you also start to see a bit of um, an, an intergrade zone between coastal carpet pythons and diamond pythons. So um, where I am right now, and certainly further south, um, that is the a, a pure diamond python. But um, as you start to head a few hours north of here, you can start to see a, a um, quite a degree of um, the integrated version of, of diamond and, and coastal carpet python. So you've um, caught you've caught integrades in the wild. Like, is there is it a very noticeable thing? Like, you're looking at it, you know, it's an integrate. It's not a coastal. Yeah, yeah. For the most part, um, okay. It's a fairly common common thing in the wild to find integrates between the two. And um, yeah, I found I found a bunch. Um, they do actually tend to be quite attractive snags because they they get a bit of a a, a mix. Um, mm-hmm. mo- most of it, uh, at least in the in the southern part of I guess coastal carpets range, um, the the majority of the, the snake is still diamond pythons. So they still look very very similar to a diamond, um, but just a, just a, a little different. Um, and then yeah, as you start to head further south. I found they start to get uh, a little bit, a little bit darker. Um, not as much yellow, more black, and um, yeah, they're um, they're an interesting snake in terms of their ecology. I found a lot of hatchling diamond pythons um, will use the same uh, same refuge sites as as another Sydney snake called the broad-headed snake. They use um, a, a very thin um, exfoliated rocks. And they hide under them during winter, which actually get quite warm when mm-hmm. the, the sun hits them at the right angle. And right. Um, and then yeah, as they as they grow, they tend not to use them as much, and they'll spend more time using tree hollows and things like that. But yeah, it's not uncommon to flip uh, two or three neonate diamond pythons under under one rock on a northwest <laughs> facing <laughs> facing ridge. Beautiful beautiful sun. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, they're, they're just making the most of those winter That's conditions. Amazing. Yeah, and you commonly get uh, adult diamond pythons during winter coming and spending uh, entire winters in people's uh, houses in their roofs, um, <laughs> where it tends to be a little bit a little bit warmer than the than the surrounding environment. Right. They know That's how awesome. to make. They know how to. Um, they know how to make the most of the uh, the situation. Urbanization isn't always a, a bad thing. Some snakes can can uh, can make the most of that. Yes, seems that carpet pythons in particular seem to fit that more so than uh, I don't know yeah. other Australian pythons from what I, yeah. what I've seen. <laughs> yeah, it really doesn't matter what what subspecies you're talking about. Um, any carpet is going to make the most of a. Certainly, a, a a chicken shed or or a, <laughs> somewhere where where they can can get a bit of shelter, get warm, and 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 there's usually a high abundance of food. Um, uh, yeah, if, if they find a good spot, they'll they can spend 
years in the one you know in the one backyard shed just because they they know it's a good reliable spot for um for for rodents and and it's a, it's a safer spot for them they're not exposed as as much as they would be out in the out in the bush and and they can they can uh, basically sit there and and experience that all you can eat buffet they're not <laughs> stupid are, are are diamonds probably do you think they're the most called on for like the snake is in the chicken coop kind of a deal or is it maybe another species like it kind of seems like diamonds would be the ones that would have the most interactions with people not caring and then whacking the chickens when they're not looking. So, yep. Yeah. We've okay. had, we've <laughs> had even at the park, uh, diamond pythons get into our, our bird aviaries. Um, oh man. It's a, oh shit. It's a, bit, it's a bit of a, a different situation because instead of chickens, you may have a, you know, an endangered, uh, yeah. you know, fish or something that's, that's taken, but, um, wow. Yeah, they tend to be the most. Oh my goodness! They tend to be one of the more common uh, snake callouts, just because they're, they're they're a snake that that, as I said, makes the most of the the situation and and can spend long periods in in someone's backyard. Mm-hmm. What's the best time of year to go and see them? Uh, more... uh, I've always I've always found diamonds tend to be fairly active, um, just as it starts to warm up. Um, so pretty well this time of year, um, September, October, um, just as you're experiencing those first nice warm days and you're starting to get a few warm nights as well, um, that is when they tend to be at their most active. Um, I've already seen uh, a couple around the reptile park um, already this, this season. Um, they are a very common wild snake on the on the the property that the park's on, um, and I, I, I anticipate that, when I start herping for the season, you know, maybe in the next couple of weeks, that um, they'll be one of the first local species that I'll that I'll come across. I'm going to be watching. This man. could have been <laughs> us, Eric. Okay, this be could watching. have been us. Last year, we we had this great discussion of where do we go to find you know a spilota, right? And it was everyone said, "Oh, go to Cairns. You know, you'll you'll find a carpet." And that wound up being true. But everyone was saying. This time of year, no, it's too cold. You won't see diamond pythons. And here we go. We have a, you know, local man on the ground who says this is the perfect time to see him. Yeah, it's um, it's one of those things that can can turn up in in some pretty average conditions. But I think if you if you wanted to see a carpet python and you wanted to be guaranteed of seeing one, you just head to southeast Queensland and look for for a coastal carpet. <laughs> they are in very, very, very high numbers up there. Um, you know, I've spent a bit of time around around Brisbane and the Gold Coast and the Sunshine Coast, and they are probably one of the more reliable snake species in the in the country. It's not hard whatsoever to uh, to come across a, a coastal carpet. No wonder nobody likes them. They call them <laughs> whenever we have crabbits. Scott on the show. Yeah. He calls them crabbits. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I kind of I kind of agree with that. Um, it's, uh, oh, gosh. it's one of those things that, uh, I mean, I can, I can appreciate them and yeah, seeing a really, really big one is, is kind of cool, but for the most part, they're just a, a snake that you'll drive around and, and keep going, try to find something better. Right. <laughs> well, it's probably, it's probably the equivalent of like, uh, garter snakes or corn snakes oh my gosh. over here in the States, you know, it's kind of like, yeah, it's a corn snake, Trash big snake. deal, you know? <laughs> Let's mm-hmm. take you to see some timber rattlesnakes, you know. 
Uh, yeah, pretty much. Very cool. All right. Um, I don't know. Anything else you got, Rob, on the... Yeah, well, I just wanted to hear. I'd love to hear about uh, your trip to the states because that that really ties into stuff that we we know something about, right? And uh, especially if there was any sort of cultural misunderstandings or any sort of any sort of you know fun stuff off the wall about your experience in America and stuff, that'd be all be fantastically interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, I was out out in the states very recently. Um, I spent most of most of August over there. Um, and it was, was really great. I'd never been to the States before. Um, I, I had met a lot of people through the, the zoo industry previously that, that were from the States. Obviously, there's, there's some incredible uh, reptile collections over there with you guys. And, um, and so the, the trip was with my, my girlfriend, now, now my fiancé. Um, well, really congratulations. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, one of the last nights that we had, we we're in New York, and and uh, yeah, pop pop the question. But that's fantastic. Um, before that, we we spent some time um, in LA. I met up with uh, a few of the guys at the Los Angeles Zoo. Um, spent a whole day whole day in the reptile department with them, and um, that was was really great. Um, it was my first time ever seeing things like. Uh, Boland's pythons and and oh, yeah. pythons and Bushmaster, um, you know, Bushmaster, they're they're one of my favourite snakes and <laughs> one that one that I desperately yeah, want to sure. see see in the wild. So to see a few a few captive specimens finally was was great. And then um, yeah, did did a little bit of a little bit of herping in in California. Went to the Pomona show as well. Um, the the big show out there which was oh, wow. mm-hmm. okay. interesting yeah yeah got 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 to that for for one of the days and um, see all the colors of ball pythons i mean that's <laughs> this, why, why, that's why you come i mean come on <laughs> uh, yeah i gosh. quickly uh i quickly I quickly brushed past many many tables of of ball pythons and uh lots of leopard geckos of course but <laughs> yep yeah, uh, yeah, yeah saw some yeah, saw too. some really Really cool, cool, um, cool things as well. Um, one thing that that I certainly am interested in is is the the king snakes. And um, one of the one of the tables I was kind of hanging out with was um, uh, black pearl reptiles. Who um, oh sure yeah all the dry mark on stuff yeah got to to play with a bunch of kribos and indigo snakes and um and uh they had some uh greer eye the the durango mountain king snakes for sale yeah they're fantastic yeah, yeah. They, they had some they had some cool things at their table and um i was i was hanging out with with chris from la zoo who um is, right. is involved with with that that business as well um he sort of more so does the the, the tortoise side of things and and uh, a, right. a lot of snakes as well and then um and then yeah john michaels does does a lot with the um the indigo snakes but um yeah that was great and then we headed down to to arizona for uh five nights down there it was pretty well fantastic um, yeah it was pretty well uh, strictly strictly herping for those few days so um yeah we were we were based in tucson and um, we we were there, of course, in the, the the time of year where you get those those monsoon rains coming in sure. in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. We didn't get any any huge down uh, downpours, but we um, yeah we had a bit of luck with 
with a few uh, a few rain rain showers here and there, and it was a very productive uh, five days. Obviously, for someone that's never seen a, a wild rattlesnake before, um, that was that was sure. all I was pretty well desperately trying to find. And um, I think over the course of over the course of the five nights, I found thirty six individual rattlesnakes. So. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness That's awesome and cool Pretty stuff awesome. too right like willard eye price eye stuff like that yeah didn't get didn't get price eye unfortunately but i got okay. yeah leptus leptus clubber eye uh willard eye um quite a few tiger rattlesnakes um, awesome speckled rattlesnakes uh, multiple healer monsters that's uh, cool man. and and uh yeah of course uh atrox were Sure. All common. over the place, right? Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> it was a really, it was a really great trip and a really great time, at least in Arizona. Um, and did you see a yeah, Senecolis was... when you were there? Sorry. Did you wind up seeing any either pyros or Senecolis or any of the, no, the colubrid no, stuff? I looked, no, I looked for I looked for both of those, and um, and unfortunately, I didn't I didn't have too much luck with with colubrids. I saw a lot of cool. Um, a lot of cool colubrids that were um, that were roadkill, but um, yeah, huh. as far as as far as live snakes goes, it was it was the majority of it was was crowless and um, I sure. saw a few a few night snakes. Um, That's cool. Though. Yeah, yeah, go go for snakes. I did see a liar snake, which was 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 pretty cool yeah. as well. Um, but yeah, Definitely. it was. Um, it was it was really all about the rattlesnakes and I met up with some <laughs> great okay. some great Did uh, you guys go to the Sky Islands and all that? Were you wandering around or is it just driving or I don't want to get too specific, but Yeah, just no, curious. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I mean Arizona is a place that's that's um that's very frequently herped by by US herpers, so I, yeah, I think most people know the know the go. But a lot of it okay. was was road was road cruising around Tucson, um, and that was really productive, particularly on the last on the last night. Um, awesome. I might have had it. I might have had a bit bit of beginner's luck, but on the last night, I got uh, eleven Aatrox, two tiger rattlesnakes, <laughs> two night snakes, <laughs> and two Gila monsters. Jeez. So. Um, that That's was awesome, really, man. That was a really good night, but I did spend a morning down, yeah, in the Sky Islands, right down near the Mexican border, and right. um, yeah, we we spent a few hours down there and got a bunch of um, bunch of lepidus, and then um, finally, the, the the real reason I was down there was was for Willardy mostly, and yeah, totally. Just, just as I was just as I was about to leave, um, yeah, we managed oh. to to find one, so. It was a pretty, That's um, awesome. pretty great few days, and then yeah, we did we did um, uh, Florida as well. We did Orlando. Didn't get to do any herping there, unfortunately. <laughs> my, um, Disneyland, <laughs> my, Disneyland herping. Yeah, my partner was was um, was was right across Disney World, and and we spent oh, a few goodness. days there, and then and then we um and went to New York for the last couple of nights. And that was good just to kind of wind down and, and relax, see a few mm-hmm. shows, you know, get a bit, get a bit dressed up after the, after the, the time in Arizona. <laughs> <laughs> sure. I, don't think I, I, don't, I think I wore the same shirt for about four days in Arizona. I was pretty, I was pretty gross by the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> That's about right. Okay. 
cool man well that's fantastic i know eric and i were talking about going to arizona actually last, this past weekend but just didn't couldn't make it work but yeah yeah it's really yeah. that's that sounds fantastic yeah it's always somewhere that that i've wanted to go um i've been following obviously a lot of u.s herpers online for for years and years and um you know the field herp forum i've read you know i don't know how however many hundred of of arizona you know trip trip accounts and um and a couple of close mates of mine went to arizona two years ago and, and also had a very productive few days and that kind of was the the final nail in the coffin i was like yeah i've got <laughs> to get over there gotta so, do it right um, yeah i did it and um yeah, probably would would I'll, i absolutely would do it again but next time i'd probably allow a little more time um, I really right. didn't get time to dedicate to things like uh, Cerberus, the, the Arizona black rattlesnakes, <laughs> and um, I'd just like to put a lot more time into, you know, the, the, the king snakes and, and green rats and things like that as well next time. So it was it was just a good first trip to get a lot of the um, a lot of the common and and some some of the not so common stuff out of the way. Yeah, Willard and I are the best rattlesnakes there are, man. So I'm with you on that. I'm glad you saw one. That's that's yeah. fantastic. Well, I um. The, the a lot of the zoo i know um san antonio and, and certainly los angeles zoo do a lot with with mexican mexican rattlesnakes and so i saw some really fine specimens of uh meridianalis when i was at at the los yeah. angeles zoo and yeah so when i got down to arizona i just had to find the um the, the will it i will it i so yeah, it was good, totally. to, good to get one of those. And um, Now you just need yeah. to get some Obscurus. We need to go to New Mexico, man. That's uh, right over by me. So you got to let me know. Yeah, I, um, I was contemplating doing a, doing a day driving out. But, and I wanted to go to the Chiricahua Desert Museum as well. Um, <laughs> but just didn't get a chance to, to get into New Mexico. Um, but there's always, always next time. Well, you definitely have to keep us posted. Certainly me. That's just a hop, skip, and a jump for me. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it'd be um, it'd be good to to meet up at some stage. And uh, I mean, for the for the most part, everyone that I met over there was was really really great people. And and um, I met some herpers when I was down in in Arizona. Um, a, a one group I kind of just accidentally bumped into, and then uh, the other boys I'd I'd actually planned to meet up with. And um, we went out near Phoenix one night and 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 found a bunch of speckled rattlesnakes and and tiger rattlesnakes. So. Um, yeah, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of really really great U.S. herpers. I've only just sort of started uh, following a, a few of them. Um, you know, a few of the guys in in West Texas that are that are finding Alterna left, right, and center. I mean, they sound like <laughs> a challenging snake to find. For sure. Yeah, I need to. Uh, I need to. I want to get back already. Really. <laughs> <laughs> We can relate. I mean, yeah. <laughs> on both yeah. accounts. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I've done a bit of, I've done a little bit of, of herping in uh, Asia as well, but um, that was when I was a fair bit younger. And, and obviously um, this time it was just me and my, my partner and we were able to, to kind of do what we, we pleased and we had a hire car and yeah, it was just, it was just good to, to get out there i've always really had a strong interest in in pit vipers um I, i've seen seen uh, a few species in in asia before malaysia and, and thailand so it was was good to finally see some some rattlesnakes because I've, I've worked with 
with Aatrox for for a few years now. So it was was pretty awesome to see that first wild one, and that was on the first night we got we got one pretty well immediately straight after a, a young healer monster. Awesome! <laughs> That's so awesome. That is very cool. Yeah, we keep healers at the at the park as well. Um, so they're right one that that um, I kept for a few years, and so I, I, I wanted to desperately see a, a healer. <laughs> that was probably the, the big number one for me, and I know that even for for US Herpers, it's a, a bit of a holy yeah. grail. Um, it's, it's a tough find, you know, season, between seasonality, right, and then even the time of day. It's it's a little bit uncommon, to, especially to road cruise them, so that, that's cool, man. Yeah, yeah, I was, I was, uh, I felt very, very lucky to be able to, to see a few, even just, just having a few nights there. It's a little bit like someone, you know, coming out from the coming to see an to, LP, to right? Australia <laughs> and, and finding a ruffie or something like that. So, yeah, it was <laughs> really good. Cool. Yeah, and obviously being a being a, a reptile keeper over here, um, in a zoo facility. Um, one thing that I really wanted to, to see was a few zoos while I was over there. And I, I fortunately have, have some great contacts and, um, I was able to go behind the scenes at, at the Los Angeles zoo, San Diego zoo, uh, Bronx zoo, just some, some, some of the best, some of the best zoos in the world really. Um, and just phenomenal herb collections. Some of the yeah. stuff yeah. that, um, was, was out the back off display was just incredible. Our good friend uh, Chris Salemi, he works at uh, the Bronx. Yeah, and he all takes the... Care of the big cats. <laughs> yeah, right. cool, cool. Zeus yeah, keep all the good enough. stuff in back. You know that's 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 the rules. <laughs> yeah, I met up with. Right, you uh, mentioned that. I was thinking Denver was always big on polystictus. Was the you know Denver for whatever reason was a hot spot for polystictus when you mentioned the Mexican rattlesnakes. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I um, Denver Zoo is another one that I've been I've been following them and their herb collection for for years, particularly in relation to their their success with with breeding komodos and um, and I've I've had a bit of contact through komodo dragons with with some of the keepers there. So I. I do certainly want to see Denver Zoo at some point, um, and yeah, I did. I did manage to see some polystictus at, at the LA Zoo as well. They're probably one of my favourites, and, and one that I might have to do a trip to Mexico to, to, to right. see as well. To try and find there, cool man. Yeah, I dig it. All right, so this is the ending of the questions and the closing of the show. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I would say we ask this of everybody and sometimes we get some cool answers. Sometimes these can be a little bit more difficult. So if you could go herping anywhere in the world, where would you want to go and what would you be hoping to find? <laughs> it's a, that's a, that's a very, very hard question. See, there is, <laughs> See there's a lot of, a lot of places that I would like to spend a lot of time and, and, um, you know, Certainly, the parts of Africa, um, at, you know, lot, lots of places in Asia. But currently, right now, um, in terms of overseas, um, you know, a, a, a big trip that I'd like to do would be to Costa Rica. Um, mm-hmm. I've, um, yeah, I've always had a very, very strong interest in um, in Lachesis and and um, a lot of the other pit vipers there. So um, to be able to get over there and see some some fertile lands and 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 Bushmaster would be would be incredible, and it just looks like a, a, a beautiful part of the world as well. So yeah, Costa Rica at the moment probably is is 
um, high, high on the list in terms of uh, overseas herping destinations and probably, hopefully, one I'll get to do in the next uh, few years. Awesome. I was kind of going to call my shot there and say that you'd probably hunt down a Bushmaster because you mentioned them, <laughs> but several yeah, times. I, yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't want to call it for you. So, you know, it's fine. But, um, <laughs> so now, and this is going to be interesting because of where you live. Yeah. If you could have any reptile without any limitations, whether it be money or legality, what would you have? Oh, and why? So you're, you're, you're talking about keeping it at home, not at uh-huh. work. Uh, at home, <laughs> at home. Not at, you, yeah. you have a weird work where you I can do. get these cool things. <laughs> so, I, I'm talking at home. Yeah, at home, I would really like to, um, to keep a few of the more obscure uh, rattlesnake species. I'd love to, I'd love to keep things like willardii and and, um, you know, polystictus, any of those Mexican uh, crotalus really appeal mm-hmm. to me, um, as well as, uh, I mean, I keep them at work already, but uh, king cobras, if I could have a, a whole room at my house dedicated and, and had, <laughs> you know, tw- 20 or 25 kings and, um, oh and my gosh. <laughs> could go, from, go from there, um, yeah, that would be amazing. One of my big career goals is to, is to breed that species because, um, yeah, just the, the whole process of, of watching a female construct a nest and, and getting eggs, it, it just sounds incredible to me. So hopefully down the track we can, um, we can get hold of a, a female. We've just got two, two large males at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, a big, big impressive snakes for display and, and good for, for shows and things like that. But in terms of, of, of breeding it, you know, takes a girl so we've got to get a, get hold of the girl at some point and um yeah that would be a, a, a big career highlight for me but to be able to to keep and breed them at home would be would be phenomenal awesome and, and komodos awesome. and komodos bring back, them home to back, back, okay. backyard. <laughs> but so like this is kind of like cheating because you have a job where there are owen pelly pythons komodos and like ruffies and it's like several people <laughs> say like that's several people's answers when they're on this show is it's covering sixty like, percent yeah. of the answers to this that's question, right? Most yeah. of the people, and you get this like you're like, oh, I see them every day. It's like, all right, it's enough. So the one that I, one that I I could could you know it, it could become a reality that I keep these at home, but not just yet. Is um is uh, Glauci the the Kimberley Rock monitors? I've got uh, friends friends awesome. that keep them, and they are you know they are being bred semi-regularly now so um yeah hopefully in the next few years i'd like to get a get a hold of a, a little group of of glauti and have them at, at home they um they're they're one that really appeals to me um so that that's one that i'll probably get into in the next uh few years fingers crossed that's awesome i mean you're over in australia where they're like they give away lace monitors at reptile shows over here <laughs> <laughs> Over here, they're like twenty thousand dollars, but it's like you know, it, yeah. Anyway, at least um, the bells. At least the yeah. bells. At least. Well, maybe yeah, not yeah. so much anymore. But. Yeah, well, you know. <laughs> yeah, hatched up, 
I hatched out some some laces a couple of years ago. They're um they're great and they're a very common local species to me as well. So yeah, when when I hear stories of how much they go for in the states, it kind of baffles me a bit because they're they're just an incredibly common lizard. Um, very very easy. <laughs> You're to eating find. people's very, garbage. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, my there's gosh. Not many, um, there's not many national parks around Sydney that you that you can go to and and not see one on a nice warm summer day. So. Um, yeah, but those those bell, bells face laces, and we've got one female bells at the at the park. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they're a stunning lizard, really. They are. Yeah. No, I'm not getting a lizard. Anyway, all right. Uh, <laughs> this has been an awesome show, um, and it's really cool to give us insight on the reptile zoo stuff as well as the herping things. And like I said, you've been checking boxes that you know i dream to go and hopefully find a roughie one day in the wild let alone i still look at them in my basement like doughy-eyed so yeah um that's awesome but it's been great and you know it's a really cool show we'll definitely have to have you come back on and uh tell us about your exploits maybe maybe when you get to costa rica and you can get face to face with a bushmaster you can jump on and tell tell us how that one went uh, so. Yeah, absolutely. I've only got a, I've got a three Australian pythons left to see, which are, are a woma, a bredeli, and a and a chondro. So uh, maybe once I get the full set, I can. Oh yeah, yeah I mean, I've got to, I've got to get that those last three. Hopefully, in the next couple of years, we'll see. Did it give you like a jacket to wear? To like, <laughs> I found all the pythons, or is that like just in my dream, like in my head? <laughs> yeah, they should. It's damn it's right. Hard work. <laughs> They're pretty widely distributed. I've got a few friends now that have that are either very, very close, close than me, or have have seen every single one. So it's pretty. It's, it's a awesome. pretty impressive thing to do. And and yeah, once you can once you can do that, you know that you've spent a lot of time in the field, and you, you know you've seen a lot of the country because you have to have seen a lot of it to to be able to find all those different species. Yeah. Damn. We're putting in the work, Eric. Come on, man. We're, yeah, we're man. We're starting down the track. I'm. I'm. Yeah. We only got what like. 12 more to go. Only a, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. I'm going Depends out how to, you count it. I guess that makes a difference. Right. I'm going out to uh, to Alice Springs in, in a couple of weeks. So oh, um, cool. hopefully oh, you'll oh see it. You'll see a bread live photo pop up on Instagram in the next in the next month or so. That would be the, the goal. Hopefully I can get that one out of the way. Maybe <laughs> Woma. And then I've got to do a trip for, for greens at some point. Wow. Right so, yeah. So let's put this out there. If people want to follow along, yeah. where, where where's your where can they find it? Uh, so Instagram, um, it's just uh, Jake Many or lowercase. Um, yeah, you'll 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 find it. It's just got a bunch of Australian um, Australian reptile photos on there for the most part. I don't post too much captive stuff right. on my Instagram. I just try and keep keep the herping side of things uh, separate. But I have been obviously posting a bunch of rattlesnake photos lately. So you're You'll see you'll see some American photos at the top, but then uh, I, I, am a, I am an Aussie, and then um, and then uh, Facebook as well, um, same name obviously, and then uh, yeah, Flickr as you mentioned. The, the link to my Flickr is in in the um, in the the bio of my Instagram page. So yeah, those are probably the the three main that I use, and then um, yeah, I try to I try to upload uh, most of the photos that I take on um, on on 
the given trips as I as I get back home and start to go through them all. Okay. Um, so yeah, that's 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 usually the plan, and yeah, hopefully, as I said, in a few weeks I'll be whacking some a lot of Central Australia photos up. So there'll be um yeah, hopefully some some cool geckos and and a, a few snakes that I'm targeting out there that I'll be able to to get photos up of. Cool. Right we'll be watching. So yeah, uh, good, good luck, man. Yeah. So yeah, thanks for coming on, man. Uh, yeah, really appreciate it. Um, no worries thanks thanks for having me and and um yeah i do hope to to get back out to the states at some point so hopefully we can we can meet up and and um yeah talk reptiles yeah, more yeah definitely absolutely. fantastic totally cool with that sounds good thanks guys all right all right, all right jake have a good see one you, Bye, see guys. okay awesome stuff man very 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 jealous uh what's the <laughs> i don't know uh yeah. envious envious yeah. is the word i'm kind of <laughs> sticking to at this moment because it's yeah. like oh no i left work playing with komodo dragons time to wander the bush it's like I, <laughs> it's like shut only right yeah, yeah you know okay what an awesome show uh yeah that was uh that was really really cool um really enjoyed that conversation and can't wait i mean i don't know about you guys but now i'm like Five times more pumped to be in Australia in about what, 20 something days. Oh, Lord. It's coming Ooh, up, man. Yes. Can't wait. Owen's going to get a sausage roll or a meat pie and some ice break, and we'll be living life, man. <laughs> He's getting all of those. All of that. <laughs> he the, has at, no at choice. One time. It's just all going to happen at once. <laughs> right. And then leave the me where I fall. Yeah. Just, you know, leave me in the bush where I, you know, it's good. Just, just don't go too close to the edge of the water, man. As long fine. as you don't do that, we'll be fine. <laughs> What's the worst that could happen? Oh, right. Oh. You showed me those croc videos. All right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. could die. Okay. Uh, well, yeah. fair enough. Right. That is the worst that could happen. Yes. Good job. All right. All right. So, uh, yeah, I would uh, highly recommend uh, going over and checking out uh, Jake's, uh, both his Instagram and his Flickr accounts, um, uh, because you're going to see some really cool Australian reptiles and uh, peppered in a little bit of uh, American reptiles as well. But, uh, (laughs) (laughs) you know, the majority, I mean, the shots that he has are are just really incredible notch. You know what I mean? Really makes me feel like uh, you know I'm I'm taking pictures with a Mickey Mouse camera or some shit you know. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> you still left the plastic over the lens, man. Yeah, yeah. I know. yeah I've yeah, only that, done that once. That will never stop. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I know. we'll be in the bush and we'll hear Eric winding his camera. Yeah. Like, <laughs> me, 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 I got then... a I got a little uh, you know a, a cover that I put over my head when I uh, go to take this shot. You know, like those old fashioned tiny <laughs> cameras. <laughs> Hold it, hold it. All right, now keep it there for an hour and a half. What? It's, it, it, the uh, problem is that with you, Rob, and I assume Keith, taking photos, I'm probably just going to stick to my phone and then steal all your really, really well done photos after we get back. Yes. Yeah. That's all right, man. Yep. We're trying to not duplicate efforts and stuff. It'll be totally fine. You know, yeah. it's it's about finding cool reptiles more than it is saying, oh, Keith took this picture, Eric took this picture, whatever it may be. Oh, I don't care. I'm just my mission is that I'm going to uh, look out for koalas like coming coming down from the trees. Any other animal that tries to kill us um, and uh, Yowie. 
Yeah, no, that doesn't exist. <laughs> anyway, that is a fake monkey. Um, if we do stumble across, you know, dude, wait, I have to say this. Stop what? It. <laughs> how crazy? How crazy would it be if we go to Australia and Owen comes to us no, and I says, "I just to... saw no, a yowie." No, and... <laughs> and that would never happen. And he's converted. <laughs> The thing could drop down from the tree, and I'd be like, "Nope, turn around." And you'd be like, Wait, "You don't exist. Like, not a damn thing. There's not a damn thing over there." And if it dropped down and you guys saw it, I'd have to kill you all and leave it there because I can't. No, I will I never it. retract from this. Oh, uh-huh. Eric's not even looking for snakes in the road. He's looking for tree breaks, right? <laughs> no, that, those are just naturally occurring tree fall. Down. Stop it. We're not getting into this. Yes, no. that's great. I just think it would be just so ironic if it never happened. You know, no, you, no. Great. Yeah. Fabulous. Take it to my grave. Never see it. <laughs> nope. Was it over there? Uh-uh. Owen would have to dig up dirt on all three of us to make sure that we never reveal his secret. He would, would have to make sure that the, dirt, that the dirt on us is way worse than the, the yowie sighting. I would, that I'd disappear. <laughs> I would just be gone. You'd be like, we haven't seen Owen since we got back from Australia. His whole uh, house is gone. He moved. Yeah, no. <laughs> With his protection. Ten-year yeah. contract, bro. You got to stick it in there, you know. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll call in. <laughs> I will call into the show from an undisclosed location every week. For, oh. like, yeah. Nice. Yep. All right. Anyway, well, uh, let's see. The only announcements I have, uh, I'll hit it at the end, like we did at the beginning. Tinley Park is coming up. Uh, it is October twelfth and thirteenth. We will not be there. Nope. Uh, however, uh, Matt Minatola from Philly Hurt will be there. Keith McPeak will be there. Um, the Port City Pythons crew will be there. Uh, uh, Joe and Melissa. Um, Eric Kohler will be there. Jason Balin will be there. Uh, Howard Redding, Redding will yep. be there. So uh, yeah. go and have a good time. The one thing that I want to uh, – well, this kind of sucks that we're not going because of this, but – Anyway, um, on yeah. Friday night, um, <laughs> ten eleven, they're doing a gecko symposium, um, and um, it's uh, it's at uh, Tinley Park. You can go to North American Gecko Symposium dot com for more information. Uh, if you're into geckos, uh, I would highly recommend uh, checking it out. And um, you know, uh, our good friend Justin Julander is going to be uh, making a. Uh, Giving a presentation, awesome. uh, nice yeah. talk. Um, so, see, that's dangerous. I'd be like, I'd go and I'd listen, and I'd come back, and I'd be like, I want knobbies, and then you guys would have to like not let me do that. Yeah, they're cool, man. They're they're awesome, <laughs> they cool. but I don't need geckos. I really don't need geckos. It's like when Eric was like, I'm gonna try Cresties for like a month and a half, and he's like, I hate these. So now yeah, let's was... be honest, knobtails are way <laughs> they're way cooler. Than cooler than right. <laughs> I mean, you know, that's yeah, a given. That is yeah. a given. It's like, an Amy I or Asper. Ooh, ooh, good stuff. No, no, I don't need geckos. No. There's we'll so just many talk, things I don't need. We'll talk to Owen's other half and see if don't she knows. Don't you know. I know. I know. No. She wants lychees, and I'm already against it. So Fabulous. They're the no. best. She no. sure does like big reptiles. Some more. Man. I, mean, she's got, I know. I did. She's got retics. Uh, retics you know. and lychee. I know. Komodo dragon. I mean, you, you're not going to be able to have a water monitor. you got to go straight to the Komodo. Komodo. No. <laughs> it's No. No. 
no, damn it. <laughs> I refuse. <laughs> what and, does I this say? and I will be refusing the entire time as she sets up the leeching cage that I can't stop her from doing. Nice. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. Um, okay. So <laughs> if you're into geckos, I would, uh, I would go and check it out. Uh, uh, Tim Walton, uh, will, uh, from gecko nation radio. Um, which, by the way, did uh, you know? Not the bust stones, Tim. Tim. But like, what the hell are you Come doing, on. man? You took, you did an interview with me in like 2015, um, and it hasn't aired yet. So what? Get with I the remember, game. I remember he came up to our table. Issue. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. You know? he talked, <laughs> he didn't talk, remember what? the name of the show. Fabulous. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that was amazing, and I love that. And I and well, it's I refuse to change. Okay, thank you, but. <laughs> It once again, it's hilarious. They they ask Eric and they leave Owen. Yeah, they don't ever ask me to do podcasts. It's sad. No, I yeah, didn't do a no. podcast. I just he did an interview did an there interview. at exactly. the. I I I get told to do. Maybe it's because I messed up. See, that's why. All right. See Never that. You know, damn come it. On. Come on. God damn it. <laughs> Very good. MoreyPythonRadio.net. If you want to uh, send us an email and uh, give us some tips on some yowie hunting, uh, no! send it to info no! at MoreyPythonRadio.com. No! Do that. I won't see it ever. <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> um, also, uh, yeah, so that's that. Uh, as far as myself, evmorelia.com. You can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. <laughs> High Plains Herp at Instagram. <laughs> and that is all. Anyway, so. There are other things, but, I mean, whatever. You go there, you'll see stuff, whatever. <laughs> Leave me alone. Shut Man, up. Right. I really want to get a snake from this guy. If you go there, you'll see things. <laughs> Hey man, what a, you know? Get off my I love back. it. Buy it or get out. It's like yeah. all right, so it's okay. Um, for me, you can go to rogue-reptiles.com. You can also go to Instagram at rogue underscore reptiles, and on Facebook, uh, just search rogue reptiles. Um, shows got nothing. Not doing them anymore. I refuse. So those are the <laughs> nice. only those are the only places you can come to get some of my animals, unless you catch me. Um, so that's it. And that's all we have for everybody tonight. So we'll say thank you all for listening and we'll catch everybody back here next week for some more Morelia Python radio. Good night.